Now for something completely different. What year is this? For your own safety, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Set your phasers to stun, your sonic screwdrivers to analyze mode, and keep your towels handy. It's time to let your inner nerd come out and play. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. This is Geeky Gals and Guys with Michelle and Miles. Trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. The Suze and Kenny. Don't get goofy on me. And some guy named Curtis. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? This is a party I would go to. Okay, great. And now it's time for Geeky Gals and Guys. Take it away, gang. The 3G5 have returned for number two. Oh, no, not, not, no, not that, no, no, episode, no, hold on, episode number two. God, so crass, my finger. <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome to our second edition of Geeky Gals and Guys right here on Radio for Humans. And, of course, uh, some gals with me tonight, of course, uh, the lovely and talented Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Yeah, and uh, speaking of runny poo, <laughs> oh, oh boy, 2020 yeah. just keeps getting worse and worse for me. So if I cry a little bit today, just just be patient with me. I'll we we've got some trouble in our area. We so. are friends, so yeah. uh, we are here for you. And of course, the Sues uh, from Studio. Uh, what do we call it? Studio LR, Studio Living. LR room? Living Room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in yeah. SB Spare Bedroom. She's in L- LR. And <laughs> welcome. And of course, yeah, uh, huh? Look, oh, I was saying I got the view out the front of the house and you got the view in the back. I do. And it's quite lovely. And of it's course, nice. speaking of lovely, oh, look, it's the lovely Curtis from Parts Unknown. Uh, we're not even <laughs> sure if he's human. Welcome. <laughs> Alive and well here in Parts Unknown. Yeah, very good. So, uh, and last but certainly not least, our good news guru. Miles is here with us. Welcome, buddy. Thank you. Hello. Good yeah. to be here. And uh, the 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 hurricane. Just so, in case anybody is concerned, uh, all is well regarding the hurricane situation with you guys. Uh, where you are? It is downgraded to a tropical storm. Yes. That is so, awesome news. So it is. It really. I mean, I only put up shutters on two windows, and I didn't even have to do that. Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, because I know you know there there's been some scary times since we've been friends, and uh, you know, oh, yeah. and <laughs> and, is, and before scary, we were friends, we don't, we don't know what's going on there, and and we only can imagine the worst. And no, this actually it doesn't I, happen. <laughs> I've been through Hurricane Andrew. This was uh, a day yeah. in the park. Yeah, this was just this was this was even less trouble than a bad thunderstorm. So. I right. say Hurricane Andrew. Was that the end of the nineties? Oh, Andrew was like ninety one or ninety two, wasn't it? In ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. Oh. Memories. Uh, so, anyway, we got a fun show lined up for everybody tonight, and uh, what is one thing we definitely want to discuss tonight is something, something that gets on my nerves quite a bit, and it's it's. Typically, when somebody who doesn't know anything about uh, pop culture, comic books, movies, TV, whatever, uh, they, they they when they when they try to usurp something and claim it has a different message than what it truly does, uh, and uh, you know, um, 
And that comes a lot with the messages from, you know, a lot of popular science fiction and superhero stuff and whatever. And so there's been a meme going around that was shared on social media that I thought would be fun for us to discuss. Uh, we've all uh, we've all seen it. Suze, have you seen it? Did you did you look it up on our chat there? Or let me look at the chat okay. at the end. I'm in the middle. Yeah, so uh, the Facebook one, but um, but I don't know. Maybe oh. if if one of you guys, I don't know, Miles, can you can you dump it in the in for everybody that's listening in our Radio for Humans uh, chat? Michelle hijacked my phone. She has the skills. Oh, okay, all right, there you go. So, all right, well, I'll start. I just off. live here. I'll, uh, oh. <laughs> and uh, and eat cookies. So um, <laughs> and shutter windows and rescue iguanas, um, and. Yeah, so, uh, the, but this is an interesting list. It goes through a lot of different pop culture stuff. And I'll, I'll start and we can all take turns, you know, reading off the list. Uh, but fact, X-Men is about civil rights. If you don't get that, oh, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you, you, you don't get X-Men. And nothing could be, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, it is so blatant in that comic book that it's about civil rights. Maybe you didn't get it when you were a little kid and reading it, but when you're a grown ass adult, <laughs> you probably should. I mean, you know, all the picket signs that said no mutants, you know, you don't belong, go home. No, you know, no mutant mixing with humans kind of things. Yeah. Stuff like that. And the internment camps where they, where they put them in prison and took them yes. away from their homes. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Days of future past. Uh, the, the, when, yeah, you know, which was a li little bit touched on in the movie, but was very detailed in the comics. Uh, the Claremont. Not to mention Magneto's origin story. You know, yes. Yeah. Tied directly into the Holocaust. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, and that, was ripped straight out of the comics too, uh, you know, uh, and again changed. But you know, all those ideas in the X Men movies, for the most part, unless it's a bad idea in an X Men movie, <laughs> it yes. came from the comic books. If it's a good idea from an X Men movie, it came from the comics. But yeah, I mean, it really couldn't, Michelle. It, it couldn't be more clear for for something like that. For yeah, X -Men. it was about everything: discrimination, about being ostracized, about uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know finding a place and, you know, trying to struggle against what society thinks is a norm. Very yeah. much civil rights. And yeah. Curtis, the Sentinels, essentially were giant lynching machines. Absolutely. Uh, and that meme that you had lists other comic characters, and I thought one that springs to mind right away uh, that they didn't list is Daredevil, who's somebody by day who's literally a social justice warrior in the courtroom. And then at night... He goes out and he is punching bad guys in the face. I don't know. It's not like he's a super resilient character. I mean, he really yeah. is just the most heroic, forward, progressive character. Yeah. And not to mention that, but it shows that, you know, someone with a disability that, that can overcome it. Uh, Absolutely. Well. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, uh, and, and I know Susan Miles aren't quite as into the comics, but th this is, you know, something that is pretty evident to you guys. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've seen the TV show of Daredevil, so. Yeah. And, uh, and the movie? I liked Daredevil. Oh, those, the series on Netflix was super. Yeah, yeah. It, it was super. Yes, it was better so, than the yeah. movie, but yeah. yeah. Best of the bunch. We're not going to talk about that movie. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we, we, it doesn't exist in, in the 3G form whatsoever. 
Uh, oh, <laughs> well, I have to say I own it, but that's all right. I do too. Let's not talk about yes. it. It's our dirty secret. Um, <laughs> and then we didn't uh, know they were going to make awesome Marvel movies. We thought they would just be about that good for the rest of our lives. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, you know, in uh, in the same the, the next on the list, of course, is uh, it's Black Panther. And basically, it says the same thing. It's about civil rights. If you don't get that, you don't get Black Panther. And that was one of my favorite comics as a kid. The Jack Kirby, uh, Jack Kirby created him. Um, an interesting thing about this is Black Panther and the Black Panther Party were created independently of one another around the same time. Mm-hmm. And they almost changed Black Panther to a character named Yellow Tiger because they didn't want to go with the controversy. And then they were like, and I think Stan Lee stepped in and said, no, it's fine. He's Black Panther. Yellow Tiger sounds stupid. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so so pretty much lumped there together. Now, uh, uh, Michelle, would you like to take uh, number three on the list? Sure. Um... Captain America literally fought Nazis. Yes, he did. He was a Nazi. He he was built during you know to to battle the Nazis, the Red Skull, all of that thing. And you know he was the original anti-fascist warrior. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it, you know, but the 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 meme continues. It says he's the embodiment of fighting the alt right. If you don't get that, you don't get Captain America. But yeah, correct. And I, I'm, um, uh, I don't know who read uh, Captain America comics from the '70s and '80s. I don't know if I, I know Michelle. You probably did, Curtis. Maybe you did. Yep, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, yeah, a little bit. But it was one of my favorite titles, and there was there there the it was echoed a little bit in the comics. Where he, especially in the, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, at the end of Civil War, in the beginning of, uh, you know, when they were trying to do the the Registration Act and stuff like that, it played out much differently on the screen than it did in the comics, but they did a great job of it in, in the movie. But Captain America actually lost faith in his country. He lost faith in America and b- ditched his Captain America costume and became a character called Nomad, basically a man who had no home. Um, and that was at the height of the Reagan administration where that, that story really picked up steam. So, you know, the, again, when conservatives try and tell us about our culture, because the left owns pop culture for the most part, we've given up Harry Potter, but we've got NASCAR now, so we're okay. Um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, well, here, Miles, uh, go ahead and take the, the, the one after Captain America. Ah, the Empire in Star Wars is fascist. And the rebels <laughs> that fight them are the anti-fascist. Basically, yes, if, yeah, that's that in, in a nutshell. And when you, uh, you know, corporations work together with the government or the government takes over the corp, the, the, yeah, that's fascism. And who who Nationalism. knows who knows the answer to this trivia question? What what uh, administration was inspiring the Empire while George Lucas was writing the early drafts of Star Wars? Ooh. Oh no! Tell me more. Nixon administration? Yes. Ding ding ding! Oh, you got God. it. So mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, um, because he was asked about it at one point because, you know, there was that line, you're either with me or you're against me um, in uh-huh. in uh, the Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. And he was asked if it directly paralleled when George W. Bush said, uh, you're either with us or you're with the enemy. And uh, Nixon is the emperor. Does that make Vader G. Gordon Liddy? No. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> no. <laughs> Vader wasn't ugly enough, even after being burned. Um, <laughs> deep throat? Deep throat? Could be. Uh, but he betrayed. Deep throat yeah. was the guy that yeah. betrayed the emperor. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so so yeah, I mean that that could be a story for another day. I mean, we could we could look at the roots in the origins because I love talking about the origins of Star Wars because there's so much. Again, Dune, Jack Kirby's New Gods, a lot of parallels there, and of course what he did with the you know. Reflecting what was going on with the the Nixon administration, um, uh, Susan, why don't you take uh, the one after Empire Strikes Back? After Empire Strikes Back, oh Doctor Who, yeah, it was about an alien fighting for all humanity in spite of totalitarian regimes. Totalitarian, don't get that? You don't get Doctor Who, and I don't ever. I watched some of the earlier. TV Doctor Who before, uh, you know, David Tennant ones, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I watched all the new recap. What, who's the guy that was before Chris? You know his name. Um. Oh. Oh. oh First. Uh, he he was right before David Tennant. Um. Chris, Doctor. Cr- Chris, Chris, yeah, Christopher know. Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston. I know it was something yeah. to do with the. Uh, but yeah, th- 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 it's really obvious. I mean, some of the um. You know, the the villains come out and they're like, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to seed plant this earth. I'm going to take people. I'm going to uh, kill people. He always brings up the shadow proclamation and, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the, the bigger, the, the bigger authority, the, the international authority, which is like the space United Nations. He always names them and starts you know and then then they're like oh shit i was just a criminal and thought nobody would notice and he's protecting us which is very awesome yeah yeah he's always smacking down these villains like the spider that just wanted to all its eggs in the core of the earth well and not not just that baiting lava pit well, and not just that, but think about what Doctor Who has done in modern times and, and you know, introducing, mm-hmm. like, Jack Harkness and, you know, the non-binary yeah. sexual sexuality of a lot of characters in the show. Yeah. I don't remember them all. Um, but, uh, you know, and even, uh, I think, well, now, I mean, that Doctor Who is, is a woman, um, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's something that's been called on for years. So that, you know, and boy, I'll tell you what. I think uh, when Doctor Who was relaunched with Christopher Eccleston, like a bunch of the old fanboys came back, but then when David Tennant rolled around and Jack Harkness started showing up, they're like, "Nah, <laughs> they were mad. <laughs> they were mad." I can see that. I could see that. And I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I all the I loved all the David Tennant stuff, but I, I kind of started losing interest. I thought the writing got a little bad, and it didn't have anything to do with the social issues whatsoever, because, you know. If you don't know that, you don't know Kenny Pick. So, <laughs> yes, no, um, I, I still liked it. I still liked even a lot of the Matt Smith stuff, but Matt Smith yeah. stuff got a little bit 
Oh, a Curtis. Bit, yeah. Uh, lame, yeah, I kind of watched it. Well, we're, we're going gonna... to the guitar. Yeah. yeah, Peter Capaldi. Yeah. yeah. That is the moment I lost it too because when Peter Capaldi jumped out and he was like, I have a guitar and a glasses, I was just like, oh, and All now right. there's a dinosaur. And I'm like, I'm I don't okay know, with the man. dinosaur. Well, anyway, um, uh, let's not get into why we don't necessarily enjoy stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. that could uh, th That's not what this is about. This is about how we are laying uh, our birthright. <laughs> yes. And uh, Curtis, take, take the one after Doctor Who. Thank you very much. Uh, I love this one, too. Uh, Deadpool, Marvel's own Merc with a mouth, is queer. He's pansexual. Fact. If you mm -hmm. didn't get that, you didn't get Deadpool. And uh, I don't know that he started out with, uh, you know, that wearing that on his shield for sure. Uh, but he's the character that had been around forever. He came out in the early 90s. Yeah. And uh, Rob I, I, I love that character so much because he literally, they created a, a Marvel character that kind of thumbs his nose at everything. Yes. You know? um, he's a great funhouse mirror for comics at large and all stories yeah. and all those characters that take themselves too seriously. And he's there to pop the fevered egos of all those characters. And mm -hmm. I got to tell you that that character came in awful handy for me a, a lot. And uh, as mm. far as his, uh, his sexual orientation is really only something that kind of came about recently as far yeah. as mm -hmm. December, like uh, 2013, uh, yeah, he, and he was confirmed as being pansexual. But. Yeah, and you know there was, uh, you know there there were some moments in in the Deadpool movie too where you know he was like, okay, yeah. use a dildo on me, you know, um, <laughs> you know. So I mean, it, it was yeah. reflected in the film, albeit in kind of a comedic way, but that's actually part of who he is. Um, not the dildo, but you know, the liking of such things. Um, <laughs> And uh, right. but we're not, here to say that we'd encourage that, but we want you to play safe. So be, yeah. be smart. Take it slow. Um, <laughs> you know, dabble. Uh, yeah. But you know, and the thing, thing uh, uh, also with Deadpool is he started out just being a complete ripoff of uh, Deathstroke, Wade Wilson. Mm -hmm. yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. Slade Wilson was the character they were that Rob Liefeld ripped off. So he started off being a cool design. With like impossible muscles and bean feet, um, and, <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what bean feet are. It means Rob Liefeld draws feet that kind of just look like a little kidney bean, and if he if he can draw uh, somebody standing in front of a rock, he'll do that before he draws feet. Um, I was picturing Anne Margaret in the Tommy movie. I didn't know what bean feet were either. Yeah, uh, he thank just you. does like this little feel less bean. dumb. It's not like cats have toe beans. It's like just like one uh, 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 strangely shaped bean shape that for a foot. Yes. Um, yes. Almost like a, a, a just a bag at the end of your leg. Um, if you but, comment on artists that can't draw hands. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. Uh, hands and feet are difficult. Yeah. They yeah. are. So I, I wouldn't I, do it. I don't mind feet. I'm okay with them if they're in a boot. You know, I can draw. I can draw cartoon feet, but never mind. It's not about what I can draw. It's about how we own this stuff. Uh, I want uh, Miles to to take the next one. Star Trek. Oh man, if there was a series with Gene Roddenberry, that man was a that man was a social engineer. That guy got it. It mm -hmm. is about equality for all genders, races, 
and sexualities. In his early to mid-60s, it was taking a pro-choice stance, defending women's right to choose, on clear themes and accepting different cultures and appearances and working together for peace. Oh, anti-capitalist. Yeah, that's true. And pro-vegan. <laughs> yeah. If you didn't know yeah, that. If you can create stuff out of matter, you're not killing stuff to make food. Exactly. Exactly. Had the first interracial kiss on television. Sure. Yeah. And, and the director, oh my God, the director freaked out on that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of the sponsors did too. I'm sure a lot of the sponsors did too. Yeah. I don't know about so. that, but um It was an amazing thing. And it did. It showed people working together. It showed every race, every national you know, even and even when they made fun of the nationalities, they made fun in a way that still got the point across. I mean, like with Chekhov uh talking but trying to get directions to find the nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, in in Star Trek four, you know, it it was still, you know, these different cultures working together. Yeah. And who can ever forget? I mean, how much more ham fisted do you have to get about racism than the episode where uh the they, they encountered the inhabitants of Charon, uh uh Bell and Loki? Oh, is that the Frank uh uh Gershon? Yeah, Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin played uh, Bell. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's how to uh, pronounce it, but um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to find the name of that episode. But I mean, you know, one guy has black on on his the right half of his face and white on the left half of his face, and the other one has white on the right half of his face and black on the left half of his face, and yep. they're like, "Well, I'm superior," and it's like, "But d you, you, you're the same." <laughs> You know? No, I'm not because I have the I have the black on the right side of the face. That yeah, where it's supposed, it's supposed to be. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. So and how cool was that? Amigo actually made a, a figure, not quite as accurate as the one on the TV series, but they did an action figure of that. So, an anti-racist racist message was translated into a toy that kids could have. You know, so. Um. <laughs> And you know, and of course, they made a Hura. Migo made the Uhura figure, but I don't. I don't want to. I don't wanna get too much into that. This isn't about what kind of toys Ken's like. Ken likes, <laughs> or Ken. And there were, lot, you know, there were so many different social issues in Star Trek. The one episode where they had the planet was so overpopulated. They were trying to get Kirk because Kirk had a had a a really bad disease at one point, and they needed the antibodies from him to kill off part of their population. Yeah. So they could continue. You know, think think of stuff like that. Look, yeah. Wow. So our uh, government, yeah, with with, mm -hmm. with our diseases running rampant because it was killing the right people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never happened here. Yeah. No, yeah, nothing yeah. like that has just ever happened about a d disease killing the right people in blue states. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, there we go. So, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> anyway, uh Michelle, you take the next one after Star Trek and then we're going to kind of lightning around and I want because I want to give my or uh, a Curtis a minute or two to discuss uh, uh, uh something going on. Okay. A woman and a whole host of other superheroes are immigrants. The stance of those comics is pro-immigration and pro-equality and acceptance. If you don't get that, you don't get Superman or Wonder Woman. Nope. And I agree. Yeah. 
And, um, and, uh, and, you know, let's throw Batman out there too and just say this is a guy who uses his inherited billions to do so many good things. You know, he's not an arms manufacturer, you know. So he does make weapons. Uh, he makes weapons for himself, but there have been stories non, where. Non lethal. <laughs> he tries. Yeah. yeah. So, uh. And, and, Zach if you Snyder. Want to, if you want to go even in, into more of, you know, like a subculture or something like that, you know, look at Apache Chief. I know it's really, they they thought it was pretty uh, racist, but it was still a very powerful superhero model. Yeah, I mean, you it know? was nice that they were trying representation, although, you know, calling every black superhero black this, black that was like, oh. Yes, you know? that was bad. But, and when they, when they stole the Hopi mm -hmm. uh, Kachina pantheon yeah and made a cart and made a comment about that that got them in a whole boatload of yeah. trouble well uh, and and the thing is like black panther i'm fine with because you know that was never on jack kirby's mind that it's like panthers are black and you know this guy happens to be black i i don't see an issue with it and i don't i've, I've never heard it, it raised but like black lightning black goliath you know i mean it black just got falcon yeah um well falcon i think was the falcon now which is cool did they change Oh, I think okay. it's Falcon now. I don't. It is Fal. It is Falcon. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if he was ever Black Falcon or not. Um, I know there was the bl the Blue Falcon was a character for Hanna Barbera, so there might have been. Oh yes, yes, Blue Falcon Dino um, <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, but real real quick, Stan Lee said racism and bigotry are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. If you're bigoted or ra bigoted or racist, mm -hmm. you don't get any of the characters Stan Lee created. The stories mm -hmm. we grew up with. Uh, all taught us to value other people and cultures and treasure the differences between uh, between us. Uh, only villains were xenophobic or sexist or racist or totalitarian. I can't understand how anyone could have missed that. If you're upset that there's a black Spider-Man, a black Captain America, or a female Thor, or uh, that Miss Marvel is a Muslim, or that Captain America was pro-feminism, or any other thing uh, things right-wing fans say is stealing their childhood, you never got that this in the first place. Uh, the things you claim are now pandering to lefties were never on your side to begin with. If you consider yourself a fan of these things, but you still think the L LGBTQ community is too in your face, or have a problem with Black Lives Matter, or want to take the country back from immigrants, then you're not really a fan at all. Ge geek culture isn't suddenly left-wing. It always was. You just grew up to be mm -hmm. intolerant. Mm -hmm. You became the villain in the stories you used to love. Hot Lovely. damn! Lovely. So, yeah. Oh, and I can't yeah. positive Indian superheroes. Shaman and Talisman from Alpha Flight. Oh, yeah, oh, all, yeah. all of Alpha Flight. I mean, you know, because that was like, you know, that was like the first time of... Uh, for an early example of a female character stepping in to fill in the role of a dead male character too. Yes, so, Guardian and, and yeah, and, you know, and, vi vindicator. and Vindicator. Yeah. Yep. So uh, now we've run out. Of, we've we've run out of time here, uh, Curtis. But I do want to talk uh, a little bit. We'll, we'll give you a little bit of time in the next segment. But I don't want to cut okay. too much into your guys' top ten lists because when we come back, we're gonna find out what Susan and Curtis's top ten. Uh, uh, roller skating anthems are and why it's, it's going to be very exciting. I'm super stoked Strap about on this. your skates. Get ready to go. Yeah, I'll skate. Can you skate to this? <laughs> you got a brand new key. 
Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> totally straight to our house band. Yeah, these guys. Oh my god, the royalty-free ragers. Oh my god, they're so good. All right, we'll be right back with more 3G geeky gals and guys right after this. I've got a funny feeling these guys aren't kidding around. exciting radio program featuring the thrilling adventures of an amazing and incredible personality. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Paul's Memory Bank. This is Paul B. And I'd like to invite you to my show every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Radio for Humans. I'll present classic Golden Age Superman radio adventures and hand-picked old-time radio comedy episodes. Out of these clothes, Superman's turn now. Right now, I've got three times as many muscles as anybody else in the world. And every one of them has a toothache. 
How do you manage to get into all this trouble? Oh, I don't know. I guess I just know the right people. <laughs> You'll be on the edge of your seat and laughing your head off all at once. Paul's Memory Bank. Only on Radio for Humans. RadioForHumans.com Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and you're listening to Radio for Humans. Has anybody told you how good-looking you are lately? Well, they should. Oh, my good gracious me! Look at that! Radioforhumans.com men who smile too much. I don't either, but you know what? Men should smile more. <laughs> anyway. I, I'll tell you what you shouldn't trust is a smiling DM. Oh, that's true. That's true. I think we learned that lesson last time. 
Anyway, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Geeky Gals and Guys, episode two. Of course, uh, the roster, Susan, Michelle, Miles, Curtis, myself, Kenny Pick, RadioForHumans.com. And uh, uh, before we get into the top ten lists of roller skating anthems, uh, Curtis, uh, can, can I give you uh, like five minutes to discuss the um, this yeah. uh, the, the, there's a, a, a news story regarding role-playing games? Well, thank you very much. Uh, I also want to announce that people here, I'm removing myself from the short list for vice president. I would very oh. much like to remain on the long lists, but, you know. That's good. I also, yeah, I also had to refuse throwing out the invitation to, uh, I had to throw out the, the invitation to throw out the opening pitch for the Yankees this year. So. <laughs> if I could vote my heart, I would vote for you, Curtis, but I do not. I vote strategically. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a, a long shot, you know. Yeah. It could my, happen. My heart I, is with uh, you. Okay. All right. Well, let, let <laughs> okay. Curtis talk about this. Or we'll cut, I'll get we right into cut. it. Yeah. Um, it. Wizards of the Coast is, and has been since June, they issued a statement trying to get out in front of this. But it's been slowly creeping into tabletop gaming and fantasy at large. Uh, is diversity, and it's something that they've been sorely lacking in Dungeons & Dragons for a lot of reasons. So uh, what they said that they would begin changing are uh, things like races like orcs and drow. Uh, they'll be, in the future, there'll be more of an emphasis to include morally and culturally diverse examples mm -hmm. as other races like humans. Um, Which would just make them more books, fun, really. Yeah, absolutely. You can see that in things like World of Warcraft or if you're a fan of the podcast Critical Role or, you know, like I said, it's been taking place uh, in other. I, I just played uh, the second edition of Pathfinder and boy, they're very much out in front of it when it comes to character creation. As far as race goes, it's not so rigid anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yes. You know, it's like, well, if you're if you're this race, then you're dumb. You take a penalty to intelligence. <laughs> like, you yeah. can make up whatever it is you want to, you know. Sure. Uh, if you're a sentient, if it's goes. a sentient race, why couldn't you play that character? Right. Yeah, they got uh, a lot of rules for it, that in Pathfinder, too. Yeah. Um, but, and another thing that they, they're doing is uh, apparently Curse of Strahd, which I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with Ravenloft and those things, but there's a race called the, am I pronouncing this right, Vistani? Right, that's the, um, that's the uh, Romney uh, yeah. analog, yeah. Yeah, they based it on a racial stereotype, and they're um, like, you know what, we're going to call this out, and, and we're going to tackle this. Uh, so going forward, they're going to alter that so it, 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 it's not so backwards. And it, it, as far as an organization as well, they've been notorious for uh, not really being all that diverse and mm -hmm. not just content creation, uh, but the, the talent that they, they've hired. Yes. So uh, they'll be seeking out input from all voices and all uh, diverse cultures. So I, I think that's a good sign. But you know how things are anymore. Like one good deep dive into uh, the hive of scum and villainy, which are oh. YouTube comments. Uh, it, it's it's what you think it is. It's the same people are like first Mrs. Butterworth, now this. Like oh, we'll never find you people the more tire me out, man. Scum and villainy. There you go. <laughs> but uh, 
you know, I, I, I think ultimately these things are growing pains, and but it is a positive move, and I, I was glad to see it. Nice. Yeah, so that's good. And this is something we can revisit, too, because it's fascinating to me. But I'll tell you what, I think we might, uh, right now, because this is kind of a personal thing for you and Susan, um, your top ten lists, I think, fall under this category. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. I just pictured myself roller skating across a magical field um, to that song. That's kind of difficult to do. (laughs) You can't roller skate in a buffalo herd, just so you know. See, I was afraid of this. (laughs) Oh, shit. I stepped into my Roger Miller mode. Uh, I believe so. you can go fishing in a watermelon patch, though. Can you? <laughs> Catch watermelon. Why not? And as long as you have a brand new key, you're set. There you go. You might can. Anyway, um, what I'm saying here is I was a I was a rink rat later in life. Uh, were you a rink rat early in life, Curtis? From, like from the get go, is like I'm saying second or third grade. You know, back in the 70s, uh, laced up some skates and took off on the rink, you know. And uh, you were yeah, in so the that rink. Was a big deal. Yeah, a lot of times, uh, not to take over because I want you to uh, tell me about your list, but uh, that is the first time I heard music, music the way it's meant to be heard anyway. Mm, uh, yeah. I was raised in a house and my mom liked quiet. My grandmother only listened to religious music. So, when you strap on those skates and you thunder out there on the rink and, and the mm-hmm. lights are going and it's very exciting to hear those songs for the first time um, mm-hmm. really impressed me, you know, and yeah. you're like, well, I should hear music like this all of the time. You know? Are you kidding? My favorite yeah. song to skate to as a kid was this is the day. This is the day that the Lord hath made that the Lord <laughs> hath made. We will anyway, um, there wasn't. I also had a very highly religious upbringing and uh, a lot of the, you know, the, the, my dad had a very large stereo system and a album collection, but you'd be surprised how much of that was gospel. There was, there was nothing. I mean, not bad music. I'm not saying that it's terrific music, but I think the only oh, thing music. he had with drums was Herb, Al- Herb Alpert's and maybe Pat Boone. Yeah. yeah. And Pat Boone, but there was, um, neighbors album that was not bought in jest um really was there hey it really i like i happen to enjoy jim neighbors voice and he was jody hamilton he was jody hamilton about it my mom had a record collection and i loved listening to her records like she had uh you know janice joplin and the beatles and i I was exposed to that music but genuinely we we weren't blasting it out at home the way it wasn't i was exposed to that music music. unless it was on the radio you know all right so so definitely didn't have disco yeah but quick fun fact uh jim neighbors was jody hamilton's uh the late jim neighbors was jody hamilton's uh 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 godfather godfather as well as and then i appreciate you defending it and but the thing is ken you don't know what it's like to live in an anti-rock and roll environment. You don't know. Shazam. You just don't know, Kenny. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, you got a cool, you got a hippie mom. All right. All right. Oh. <laughs> Make me feel bad about it a couple more times in my life. Um, <laughs> no. uh, all right. Here we go. We're going to get, okay. All right. Knock it off. Uh, Satan is going to come in and, <laughs> and, and make an announcement. Uh, Number 10. 
All right, so number 10 on your list. Uh, go. We'll, we'll flip-flop. Curtis, you go first. Number 10 is uh, on my list is Joan Jett's Do You Want to Touch Me? Um, oh, nice. Yeah, now, mind one. you, my songs aren't like, these are my favorite songs, or I look them up, or like, they're just songs when I hear them, instantly I think of the rink. And they definitely that one belongs on that roller rink, for sure. Damn good song. Oh, I'm going to go for one of my favorite um, backwards skate songs, which um, the, the rink that burnt down two years ago that's like was three blocks from here. I'm going to go for Midnight Star, No no Parking on the Dance Floor. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, these, these are songs they play because they have that beat. Now, yeah. This is going to change your life, Curtis, and you're going to start roller skating band because <laughs> roller skating songs have in common is that roll bounce and it's just like a dun, dun. Right. Uh, so you take a step and you slide you take a step and you slide and if it's got that beat me that makes it specifically a roller skating song from um from that era you know I it's, love that you've broken really, this down in a way that we could work it out on a chalkboard. Like there is an yeah. equation attributed. We need, we need to get Charlie I, in I, here. I, I used to feel like, hmm, we need to what? Uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny to do his uh, his oh, like okay. string and actually Carol. Imagine me in front of the board. But anyway, yeah, um, I, I think that um, like it's kind of got to have that beat. Um. At the same time, when I first started going to the rink, of course, I was like trying to get the DJ, and I and I did get the DJ to play my favorite song, which at the beginning was not one of these easy songs. But okay, go go ahead for your number nine. All right, well, hold on. We uh, need number we nine. Need say, hold on, what? Satan needs to come in. No, number nine. I love this devil music, guys. Keep it up. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Number nine for me is uh, Flash by Queen. Uh, first time I heard that song was at the roller rink, and it oh. just absolutely floored me. Like, that was so much fun to see. I, I felt like I could skate right through the wall, you know? Well, it has. I, it, I, I would like to. I would, yeah, I would like to just say this about that song just briefly is the great driving beat and the very searing sounds of, of the, the vocals in the. The you know yeah. the whoosh, the flourishes and stuff like that. I mean, I could see how it fe would make you feel like you're flying through space. I skated to that song when I was a kid, so yeah. I'm sorry, Suze, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that that actually does have the beat, I think. Um, and Ash, I love you, but we only have 24 hours to save the Earth. Yeah, <laughs> um, bring me his baldy. <laughs> actually one of the best movies i ever saw as a young child like i think me and my brother just totally bonded over that we were just like this is the best movie probably ever that movie scarred me <laughs> when he put his hand in it that scarred thing you? that that Bye. like that like gom jabar knockoff scene leather clad men with like wings well, there was there was like that that Gom Jabbar uh, knockoff scene in it where he put his hand in the thing like from Dune. Oh yeah. Oh, the tree trunk. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That scarred me. I don't remember that, but I do remember lots of people on on space scooters through the air and sure. lots of 
winged treehouse kind of music. It's oh. a very pretty movie, and it holds up. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, I'm gonna say, what was that? Would that was your number nine? That's number nine. Oh, I got confused. What's your number nine? Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, Daz band, let it whip. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can't, He's I, excited. I can't wait well, to see if like, you guys have the similar songs. It, it landed uh, on my list too. I'll just say that. Nice. Did it? Did it? Yeah. Yeah. I awesome. knew there'd be an overlap. Good. There's good. an overlap. Yay. See? Yeah. Oh, the there 70s? you go. Getting to know. Sorry. Shazam. <laughs> oh. All right. Do you guys have any more discussion on your number nines, or or do you want to move on to? Uh, Number eight, Satan. Number eight. Keep on rocking, babies. There you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, Susan, why don't you go first? We're yes. going to flip-flop. So, okay. Susan, you, you take number I, I, I will. I'm going to go for number eight. I'm going to go with a song that I loved so much as a young child. I walked all the way to the record store singing it, sang it to the guy that was at the record store, and he pulled out the 45 for me to buy, which is... Me Stewart, knock on wood. Oh, no, that one. Cannot because no, you've heard it. You've heard it. Yeah, probably. And then and knock on wood, baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah, <laughs> baby, baby. I, yeah, I will look. It I'm up. not superstitious about you. Well, you take no chance. Anyway. All right, you're going to get a suit. Then later on in life, I figured out that um, the um, store was open on Sundays. I could sneak out of church instead of going to go to the record store. But this was later in life. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Satan's Church, the record store. (laughs) Uh, It was called Round Records, but it was right there. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You got uh, for number eight, Curtis. Number eight is Donnie Iris's Love is Like a Rock. Oh, oh I love that song. Rarely ever hear that song, but when I do it instantly, I can feel skates on my feet for sure. That is totally a Pittsburgh song. Aliens, guys, you want to go down and see Donnie Iris? Uh, stop down at Pants yeah. and Ant, pick up, pick up a new outfit down at Pants and Ant, head up to the Syria Mosque, check out Donnie Iris in the cruisers. No, Don, Donnie. What? No, yeah, it was Donnie Iris and the Cruisers. That was right. Yeah, it's yeah. Donnie so. Iris and the Cruisers. I got their their uh, their cassette tape. Michelle and Miles, do you know who Donnie Iris and the Cruisers are? Michelle oh. knows Donnie I'm not Iris. Very good with names. I you know, recognize Donnie Iris. Donnie Iris did. Um, he did uh, Leah. Like rocks. Leah. You know, you know the song. Leah. Oh, yeah, Leah's. Okay. You you know that song. Oh, we sing it. Leah. Here we go again. again. Uh, But yeah, you know, I came up with a funny joke. Somebody said, name this band, and they showed a picture of like, uh, it was, it's the demon semen uh, picture that's been going around. Um, Oh no. (laughs) Somebody was like, name this band before, before the whole demon semen thing came out. And I said, Donnie Virus and the Losers. <laughs> and it did. It didn't get any likes. And I'm like, do you not know Donny Donny Iris and the Cruisers? Donny Virus and the Losers? Come on. So I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, Donny Iris. If it's not Pittsburgh or Ohio. Yeah. 
Love is like a rock it's, it's is a, a great rock. song. And you guys, you guys, uh, Miles and Michelle, do you know who um, the Michael Stanley Band is? Nope. Oh, As I said, I'm not. I'm not good with band names. Good for oh, you. It's a local. It's a local thing. They're it's terrible. Just a dumb I didn't local know band. that they were just local. I remember being like no, when I went to the totally Air Force. Local. And I was, I was like, oh, it's Michael Stanley. They're like, who the hell's Michael Stanley? And yeah. I was constantly like, you know who Michael Stanley is? How do you not know Mike? He was huge. And they're like, no, Kurt, nobody knows who that is. Nobody knows. <laughs> I barely knew, and I'm from Ohio. You know what our town is? Oh, God. What, this town is our town. <laughs> Sorry. Is my town? He's like, he's no, like you know. a low-rent Bob Seger. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's the Northeast the poet. Tooth. He's um, Northeast he actually, poet. There's an album he has called something like that. I don't know what it is. It's well, been years. Hmm. He does also. It's it's music you and your mom can both like together. Oh God, like Trans Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> oh no, like hate metal, lover. hate classical. Oh, You'll love us. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but now I, I want to say I, I think I'm seeing something here, especially with the Donny Iris next to Flash is you've got some you've got a, a nice solid steady beat and you've got the searing um parts like you know the ah love is like a rock you know you've got you know so mm -hmm. the, those searing parts of songs i think are important for skating you know yeah. <clears throat> that's what is makes it memorable to me um but anyway um uh, so here we go uh are you guys done with number eight all right, so number seven. And Suze, you go since Curtis went the first two times. Okay, so this is one that I, uh, it's called California Love, and they play it, I played it a lot at the rink, and they had a specific dance that they would do, like a backwards turn on it. And I didn't even know it's by Tupac. Tupac. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not a 90s person, but I like that song, and to me it's, it's got the, it's got to, it's got to be played, you know. Mm, yeah, in our roller skating rink, apparently there's a whole bunch of things they do in Chicago that are different, and everybody does skate different in every rink. I get that, but they do do this one thing where they do a backwards turn. Like there's like six guys, and they always do a backwards turn on that song. Just that song. I don't know why, but it's fun. Yeah. California Love by Tupac. That's my number seven. There you go. All right. Miles, you're number seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Curtis. <laughs> Curtis. Here, I'm, now I'm doing I'm doing the I'm doing the, the rain uh, Michelle thing now. So uh Curtis. Uh number seven is exactly where Daz Band's Let It Whip landed on my list. Uh, oh, so not yeah, far not far apart. Yeah, I, I, I can't hear that song and not think of our roller rink. And it's it's it was just a lot of fun. Like, you know, amped up with the lights swinging around. It, it was so much fun. Very cool. All right. So I think we'll have just enough time to do, uh, to do, uh, what is it saying? Number six. Number six, six. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay. Uh, 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 Curtis, go ahead and take this one. And I'm sorry if I'm going to mix up Curtis and Miles' name constantly because it's going to happen. I just oh can gosh. guarantee it right now it's going to happen. So, but that just wow. means I like you guys the same. Beard. So, yeah, this, yes, that's so. <laughs> different people. They couldn't okay. look uh, more. They couldn't look more different. Probably similar in height, and that's it. So, um, uh, but, number six yeah. is uh, K 
Kiss is Dr. Love. First time I heard it was mm -hmm. at our roller rink. And yeah, that that grinding riff that comes out, and then uh, the 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 girl uh, chorus singing, like all of searing that, chorus, searing chorus once like, again. Wow, I'm listening to some really heavy stuff. You, you yeah. Know? <laughs> when you're but, a little kid, you, that was frightening. You're like, this sounds amazing. Like, why is yeah. there more of this? It, it, yeah, you know, isn't it funny? Was. The first time you heard a metal or hard rock song by an artist that was perceived to be scary, and you heard it, and then you finally got it, and you're like. I want to listen to all the scary <laughs> shit now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but no, that's great because again, I'm I'm sensing a pattern here. Um, uh, with the exception of "Do You Want to Touch Me," you've got a lot of searing vocals going on because the the Doctor Love, you know that, yeah. you know, you know that 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 seems to be recurring in your list and, and Susan's too. Um, but uh, you know, that's I think that's important. The the steady beat, the the roll bounce kind of thing. And in yeah. uh, that searing vocal line to make it feel like you're gliding across the, the floor, right? Yeah. So. Bit of trivia here about that song. Do you know what television actress is singing on Dr. Love? No. What? I do I not. I think her name is Katie Seagal, Peg Bundy. Peg Bundy was oh, no a shit. singer in the 70s. Yeah. A backup singer. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Another Kiss song they would often play that isn't on my list, but was made for loving you they often yeah. played that yeah, well that was that was second but so she, she's got a, I heard this one first. she had a long <laughs> early history of hanging out with misogynists interesting um <laughs> yeah. uh, thank I god she you. finally hooked up with ron perlman uh it, <laughs> acting wise that is um yeah, yeah. but um uh all right anyway. susan Number six. But I was going to say that um, that that kiss song is my favorite because it's such a disco kiss, and so mm -hmm. it makes me happy. Mm -hmm. But my number six is Frankie Smith, Double Dutch Bus. Ooh. Because if, if you guys know that it's just got that, you know, it's just got that that uh, all those little sounds, all that little those little. Skating rink sounds that are all over in the background that go all over when the lights are are hitting you from all directions. Yeah, so. and who who did that again? You broke up a little bit. Um, Frankie Smith. Frankie Double Smith. Double Dutch Bus. Double Dutch Show Bus. On YouTube is just a bunch of kids getting into a bus. I don't like that, but yeah, no. <laughs> Well, I mean that that movie was featured in James Gunn the specials, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. I think it was. I don't know nothing about it. It was that so, was a movie. The the specials was was a movie. It was like James Gunn's first superhero movie. So he was in it, and so was that guy okay. who was on Wings that played the big dumb blonde mm -hmm. guy. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, uh, oh, he went on to play Sandman as well. In the Spider-Man three, I think. Yeah, but yeah. It was so, the best part of that movie, actually. He was amazing. Yeah, he, he was a good Sandman. I, I'll say that. You know, he he looked like the dude. He looked like he walked right out of the comic with that big goofy jaw and that you know, yeah, angry angry shirt. eyes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So all right. Well, it's it's time to go to break. But what what do you think, Michelle? Do you do you are you thinking if if you were a roller skater, you'd like to hear this playlist going out there? Probably. Well, I did a little roller skating, just not a lot. I was more yeah. of an ice skater when I grew up. Yeah. Uh, well, weird. <clears throat> and Miles, any anything uh, 
<clears throat> I know you're not the biggest music guru, but I'm hoping some ABBA makes the list. What about you? Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> should be able to help go. you out there. I might what about be able some to Chicago? <laughs> what about Chicago? So, anyway, <laughs> there better be some ACDC on your list, Curtis. Because I know in Ohio, ACDC gets played at all the roller rinks. So, it's a law. It's a law. <laughs> it is. It's in our state constitution. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we got to go to the break. We'll be right back with lots more geeky gals and guys right after this. Ah, you represent Earth's best then. And now, on with the show. Shazam. Now for something completely different. What year is this? For your own safety. Please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Set your phasers to stun, your sonic screwdrivers to analyze mode, and keep your towels handy. It's time to let your inner nerd come out and play. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. This is Geeky Gals and Guys. With Michelle and Miles. Trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. The Suze and Kenny. Don't get goofy on me. And some guy named Curtis. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? This is a party I would go to. Okay, great. And now it's time for Geeky Gals and Guys. Take it away, gang. Once again, thank you, super deep voice guy, uh, who I might know. I might have met at a party one time. And also, top 10 roller skating list brought to you by our Satan or sponsor, Satan. So, yeah, or our Satan sponsor, whatever. Yep, I'm here. Don't worry. It's cool. Yeah, keep going with all these guys. You're doing great. All right, so welcome back. Miles and Michelle uh, braving the weak storm. Uh, you are back with us, and we're looking forward to your segments on tonight's program. We're going to have lots of fun. So many oddball topics. I love this. We're just doing it all here. So, uh, hi, guys. Eminem. And uh, the Eminem portion of 3G. So. Eminem? <laughs> uh, Manamana. What? No. So. Anyway, and uh, uh, Susan, of course, in Studio uh, LR. I'm in Studio SB. Kenny Peck here. And, of course, from Parts Unknown, Cousin Curtis, Destroyer Kurt. Of course, from Hi, Red Tape hey. Revolution and 3G. Yes. So, and eagerly anticipating uh, playing some, uh, some uh, Red Tape Revolution on the show at some point. But in the interim, Absolutely. let's talk about some other music here. So uh, I think we are we need the devil to come back in to let us know where we are on these, these two Satan music lists. And uh, what is that, uh, Satan? Uh, that'd be number five, Ken. Uh, so uh, let's have Susan go first this time. Okay, there you go. You, right. heard, the, you heard the command I'm from your gonna, master, from your dark uh, master. Number five would be the Sugar Hill Gang, Rapper's Delight. Oh boy, you are dropping some things in there, and it's loud. <laughs> Sorry. So that's they okay. Said, How much she likes rappers to like. She's yeah. Shit. Sugar Hill Gang. No, I I just up to my little weird. That little song thing. I know. Yeah. You a fan? No, but I do know it. It was over. It was overplayed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, they they always play it over at the at the music at the ring. I rink. hate the song. It reminds me of Ring, the Ring. Yeah. <laughs> you hate it. No, he no. said I don't hate the song. He said. Oh, I thought you said no. you hated it. No, I hate no. it. I'm sure I I hate it. 
Uh, oh, I can. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, any anything in particular you want to say about that song, Susan? Not really. Not really. I mean, like I said, it's just it's got the roller skating feel to me. It's got the beat. It's got the like. Like I said, it goes well with the carpeted walls. And, um, <laughs> well, there you go. Lockers in the back, and then the vague smell of lots of teenagers. Which and roller feet. skating rinks always smell like lots of teenagers that don't put on perspirant. Okay. Uh, yeah. Why? Well, oh, oh, no, Especially I think when you that's... had those lock-ins that were like an overnight skating thing. There yeah. is nothing like the smell of that place come six a.m. Yeah. Like it's just gross. And I'm yeah. fairly, well, I'm fairly it's, certain it's they're. Really I'm, I'm fairly certain they're putting on the perspirant. It's the anti part they're missing. <laughs> yes, so. roller derby. You um, because uh, I was in in roller derby for a long time. We do our workouts without music. There's no music, and it's it's a little annoying hearing people skating. But um, yeah. when when you go there like two to three times a week. You don't realize you you become nose blind to it when you first go <laughs> back to the rink like you can smell it when you walk in the door you're like people drop their teenagers off here and then go drinking for a couple hours and come back and mm. pick them up and um the, the kids on friday night like that's what they do you know that's that's their their uh get together which is cool which when is good for them yeah. to get a little exercise and Whatever. Now, but, when, you um, said, when you said yeah. no, nose blind, I immediately thought of the song from Ace Frehley's Kiss solo album, Snow Blind. And I was thinking, blind? I'm oh, nose wow. blind. I can't <laughs> smell a thing. So, yeah. so, so, so it, it's called the teen funk, right? <laughs> it, is. it is a teen funk. Smells like, like teen spirit. The funny thing is, I've had like people that are um, roller skating DJs is like, yeah, I go to different places and they all smell like that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they emit a certain smell. And it's like catnip if you're that age. If you're that teenage, like that preteen whatever age, they love it. And it's like, I get it, but it's like, Ew. oh, man, <laughs> deodorant would be nice, guys. But, uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, Miles, what's uh, uh, damn it? I did it again. <laughs> Curtis, <laughs> I'm so used to doing a sh doing the. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Curtis, what's your number uh, number five? Number five, I I'm pretty sure, Satan, that you were on this track, but uncredited. Oh, okay. I appreciate that. It's all the devil's music, and you're in all of it. Who knows? But pretty much. Number five is George Clinton's Atomic Dog. Can I hear a little bit of that chorus? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I wish I could play some of that chorus, but I can't. You could sing it if you like. No, no, no. I mean, just... I want the devil to come in, and I want the devil to say, oh. "Bow wow wow yippee yo yippee." Oh, okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> bow wow wow yippee yo yippee yay. There you go. Yeah, see that's what I did. Oh yeah. man, that bloom that split my wig when I was a kid. That song come <laughs> on and roller skating and everything's going on like that. Oh, I can smell yeah. the hot pretzels and crummy pizza from the snack bar. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those crummy pizzas. They're that even pizza crummier. Was the same pizza that they used at the high at your high school. Well, it's the it's the <laughs> same. It, well, that's the thing. It's even crummier now because now it's microwave. They don't even put it in a little toaster oven. Oh, and and, damn, and the and the burnt cheese product from the nachos. Right. <laughs> the scorched yeah. cheese. 
whatever Scorch. chemical sludge that was. Yeah, scorched cheese sludge. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So, all right. All right. Are, we, are we ready to roll bounce into number four? Yeah. All right. All right. Number four. We'll start with Curtis. All right, there you go. Uh, this is where it started to get hard because, like I said, I had a, probably a top 20 and even beyond. So yeah. I had to start ruling stuff out. Yes. So yeah. you could actually make this any one of their songs because they were so prevalent. It was hard to narrow down just one. But I'm going to say the Cars Let's Go was definitely yeah. a skating song. Like, Good choice. They were so, like I said, prevalent. And they had so many hits, and they played them all at the rink. So I, I, I think of the cars. I, I think of roller skating, is, and that one in particular. Is that the one that's bow, 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 yeah, bow that's it. Bow, bow, bow. Let's bow, go. Bow, bow. Yeah, love that. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna help Miles out and make sure the DJ plays his request and say Earth, Wind, and Fire, September. Oh, very yeah. good. Very good. Classic. Classic. It, it is it is lovely and it's um Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, and sometimes they only play that in the fall. The the DJ would sometimes like if people would um request Ghostbusters in the spring, he wouldn't I, he wouldn't play Ghostbusters in the spring. He won't play Monster play Mash in January. Or hey, honey. I, I said he won't play Monster Mash in January. No, he won't. He wouldn't. Bullshit. And that kind of pissed me off. But yeah. <laughs> was there anything in particular about Ghostbusters that they did on the rink in the rink? Oh, they would, you, they would play Ghostbusters, it? and then they would play uh, Michael Jackson Thriller. Thriller. Okay. It was only in the fall. Well, when I took my son to his skate lessons, Ghostbusters was the thing. Like when they played it, you when they said Ghostbusters in the song you had to turn around and go the other direction. So, you know, at the end of the song, they say it a whole bunch, yeah. so they're pretty much just spinning in place. Yeah. But I didn't know if that was a thing else. Or falling and breaking a limb. <laughs> <laughs> then again, if you're talking about kids, that's why I won't roller skate uh, anymore, because it's like, when I used to skate, I was about three foot six, I guess. Yeah, you know, lower and, center of gravity. <laughs> yeah, I'm twice twice yeah. the height now, and yeah. kind of a big dude. And if I hit the floor, no go. So I just don't have the knees for it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, honest to God, I could probably pr do it pretty well now, but I'm not going to because I don't want to break an ankle. I'm terrified of that. I started again when I was 40 because roller derby, and I wanted to play roller derby, so. I was an announcer for Roller that. Derby. I think that's great, Susan. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, were you a jammer? Were you a blocker? Like, oh, I was totally a blocker. But you know, nice. I I really. Uh, there's all kinds of there was all kinds of insane heartbreak. I've only just mm. recently gotten over politics. In the, in the, politics. Yeah, yes. and politics and insanity in, in the Cleveland-specific roller derby. Yeah. Then Whippet came out, and everybody everybody and their dog decided they wanted to do it. So, you know. But mm. I'm going to go on to my number three, Demon. Well, um, all right, here you go, Suze. Number three, that's half a six. Six, six. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say um, we did this thing called the trio. Okay, and this is at the roller skating rink, not roller derby. This roller derby is evil. But roller skating, this thing called the trio, where you grab two friends, 
and uh, they would play Devo Whip It. And what they would do is they would um, would whistle, and then you would turn, the three of you would turn around. Good, and go the opposite direction. So the first one, you would go all around holding hands in your trio. The third one, you would, the third song, you would go all around pushing each other. Like, uh, hands would be on the hips on the person in front of you. That would be like, well, we would call it shopping carts. Um, <laughs> and then the third one is like, you all hold hands, but when they whistle, you turn around. And there's different degrees of, you know, ability. Certain mm-hmm. people are very dangerous at this. So, yeah, yeah. You, could, you could get yourself hurt. Oh, so, yeah. Devo Whip It was the song they would always do for the trio. And, and honestly, it was really hard not to put that song on my list as well because this first time I heard it, uh, and somebody told me that they were from Ohio, and that just blew my mind. I was like, everything around here sucks. How did they come from a place like this? Yeah, really. that's why they left. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, that's why they live in LA now. So, <clears throat> but hey, hey, we're doing better on coronavirus here. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, But, uh, all right, so, Curtis, you got your number three? Number three, and again, here's another band that, like, how do I narrow it down to just one of their songs? But it's definitely right out front, uh, and if if you're going to hear this music, in that setting is probably the best. ELO's Don't Bring Me Down. Oh! Just a banger and built for the roller. I know, I love that. You know, and I almost had an ELO honorable mention, Mr. Blue Sky, but I, I took it off. <laughs> well, if you want beat, yeah. you want beat, you want searing vocals, harmonies, things like that's got yeah. they have it all. I mean, honest to God, if there was a band that did harmonies better than Queen, it was ELO. Yeah. yeah. 100%. What was the it's a living thing? Like that one's Oh god. Mr. Blue Sky living thing. That. Uh, Blue Sky, yeah. uh, uh, oh God! What's that showdown? Holy shit! Showdown! Like, yeah, all, all of it, songs. all of it. Now, my not my friend, this is drummer, is he was he, a bit outspoken in things, and he said, and I, and this this really stuck with me. If you want to hear a Beatles cover band done right, yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It kind of made me look at them different. I'm like, yeah, they do have that yeah. like kind of Beatles ass. Really- they continued on from 1970. Who knows? Maybe that yeah. really would have sounded like, yeah, I, yeah. I get that. Oh, yeah. and, you know, another great song. Do, look at them different. Do ya, uh, which has a great history. Uh, <laughs> that song, Do Ya, um, because Jeff Lynn was in a band called The Move before he was in ELO, and that was originally Do Ya was a, a Move song before it was an ELO song, and then of course Ace Frehley did an awesome cover of it too on his Trouble Walking album. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, so very good. So all right, so uh, uh, Curtis, you're next, right? Or or no, no, you did ELO, Suze. Did you do your number? I did three. Three? Susan's three. I was three. And was oh. Diva Whip It. Oh, okay. Whoa, What's shit. What's your number two, Curtis? This is going fast. Uh, Hang on. What's it? Okay, did you know that 666 is and- divisible by two? Here's number two. <laughs> there you go. I haven't included any so far, and to be honest, 
uh, because that that's the venue that I heard it in, and uh, I could uh, include every track off of the Saturday Night Fever album because <laughs> disco was yeah. monolithic, and each yeah. one of those songs is so powerful and amazing. Yeah. That even David Lee Roth said that they, that had a profound influence on Van Halen. Like that's how prevalent that album was yeah. in that music. So I did include a disco song. It's Casey and the Sunshine Band's "Get Down Tonight," number two on my yeah. list. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. It's, a good one. it's just a blast. Um, it's a party, you know? Totally. Um, so this, my number two, I have the sound clip for, and it's um, by Sylvester. And it's All called right. You Make Me Feel Writing Real. I, this was a woman, too, that sang this, but I uh, was recently watching um, a miniseries called it's high fidelity off. high fidelity i was about to say it's called high fidelity and um it's basically made off the movie high fidelity if you guys remember that and it has a yeah zoe uh oh kravitz Dish. zoe kravitz Zo who is oh, lisa zoe bonet's kravitz, and, yeah. yeah and uh and uh lenny kravitz lenny kravitz's daughter in this series and i thought it was a good series but you know, I, it was about it's about music like the movie is, and she's got you know her top five lists. Um, but and it's got an interesting soundtrack. But they do talk about this song, and I took a little excerpt out of the mini series called High Fidelity, which is on Hulu. So Ken, if you could play that, that'd be awesome. Uh, yes, uh, you can. Absolutely. Take a minute. I wanted to see. No, I just had a. I just wanted to interject real quick and and ask Miles and Michelle if they'd seen the John, John Cusack, uh, Jack Black film uh, High Fidelity. If you're familiar with it, I'm familiar with the movie. I don't think I've seen it though. Oh, okay. Nope. Sonic fucking Death Monkey rules. <laughs> It was, it was basically about people who worked in a record store, and now this new Hulu series is kind of expanding upon that idea of people who work in and frequent music stores, things like that, have deep discussions about music and whatnot. And this scene is uh, two of the characters in the film. I don't know their names because I just want this is, you know, I've only seen a little bit of it. Uh, but Susan, do you know the characters' names? They're, they're, these guys are on their first date. Is that what it is? their first date yeah but um i i don't remember the name of the characters okay. either uh, that's fine so yeah it's two guys out on on their uh on their first date and a song by sylvester the song by sylvester called what is it what's the name of the song you make me feel might be real and it's okay. from 1978 yeah and uh it comes on the jukebox you'll hear a little bit of the song in the background but interesting conversation and fits right in with what we were kind of talking about in hour uh in the first hour of the show uh, sylvester nice who song is sylvester this is not a woman singing no not technically but in some way kind of sylvester didn't really care about pronouns he was the first openly gender queer artist on radio hit i know you were into disco why wouldn't i be into disco i don't know it's so upbeat poppy i'm upbeat Hey, go boys. Enjoy. Thanks, pal. I mean, I'm not a beat up beat, but I like some pop. Okay. <laughs> so mostly I think it's infantile nonsense, but, but disco is not pop. Right? Disco is disco. So 
like in the 70s, the only way to get a disco song on the radio was if the DJs at the gay bars played it. That was the first time we ever had any say in the record industry. So disco is a sound of liberation. I mean, sure, there's some terrible songs. I mean, nobody should be forced to listen to Disco Duck. But you can't dismiss the whole genre. It made a huge impact. Like almost every early hip-hop song sampled a disco track. Plus, Sylvester's an icon. He was androgynous, you know, and he would wear women's clothes on stage. And it, not in like a 60s rock star Mark Boland kind of way, but in a way that felt complete and sincere and organic. It was just a part of it. <laughs> His first group was called the Cockettes. At his next <laughs> level, not giving a shit. That's not a crazy falsetto. <laughs> okay, okay, I knew so about the Cockettes. You have to respect the Cockettes. This was not familiar to me. All right, uh, so there, there yeah. was the clip. There was the clip. So the to me, that, that song, they would play it all the time. That just, you would have to get out on the floor for that. You, I would, you know. It's a great song. And you know, the thing is, is, I will tell, I'm going to be honest with you guys right now. I thought that was a relatively new song that was like kind of mimicking disco. It's it's really? gained it's gained oh, like yeah. recent popularity. I never heard that when I was a kid. I never heard that on the radio yeah, or saw it on TV. It's it's somewhat familiar, but it's just it's very disco-y. You know what I mean? So yeah, probably I heard it, but it wasn't pronounced for me. Well, and how, but the, how cool is that that he was the first openly you know gender queer uh, artist? You know, I mean, he's hundred percent. You know, hero. Yeah. So See, that's that's kind of the thing that like I mean, of course. I was so young when this was happening, this whole uh, backlash, and I kind of thought it was, oh, well, it's because people are returning to rock and roll, like they'd rather have a drummer, a guitarist, bassist, a singer. Okay, that's cool. I mean, I get that in a lot of ways, but in one way it was liberating because we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff that America wasn't ready to talk about, about gay or trans or whatever. But at the same time, we were dealing with music that was being made in a recording studio with a, with a pow, you know, like just a drum machine and things like that. So yeah. you were being, not only were you being, I don't know, let go from a lot of things, but you were being let go from having to have an entire band pay for you in the background. You, know, you could do this yourself. Yes. So that's another weird thing. I mean, as far as musicians go, and and the things that a keyboard can do, amazing and freeing, but also a totally different sound. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing too. So, that, that a lot of the things that when people were burning disco records and hating disco records and disgusted by it, it's like, well. We're also disgusted by a lot of the political things going on too. You know, a lot of the yeah. things that it symbol symbolized. So, right, yeah. So, all right. Well, I, I guess uh, uh, Satan uh, Satan needs to play a drum roll for for you, uh, everybody, right now. Because did we uh, did we get to ever both your guys number twos? Right? Yeah, I think so. But how all much right. time do we have on on our time? I don't even know what time it is. It's you got about four got minutes. minutes. Four minutes tops. Four minutes. Um, oh, then we just got to do number one. So yeah. No honorable so, mentions. No honorable mentions. Maybe before we end <laughs> the show, I'll let you do this for your parting shot. Uh, okay. But all right, here we go, Satan. Uh, 
Alright everybody. Number one! 666 is also divisible by one. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so many numbers can fit in that. Alright, my number one, and yeah, again, it's hard to narrow this down to just one because he had so many <laughs> hits. But uh, it, how much I loved it and how much I love roller skating to it was definitely Elton John's, Sir Elton John's Crocodile Rock. Um, oh, not yeah. being my favorite song, but just it, it captures the energy of the first time I heard it and how much I enjoyed hearing it when I was a little kid. So there it is, my number one. I love when he did it on the Muppets. Absolute C, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It might not be your favorite song of all time, but it, it is you, you, you associate it with the act of skating, just like, you know, there's. You know, there's songs that I think about, like when I'm cutting the grass. There's songs I think about when I'm painting, <laughs> painting a figure. Absolutely. You know, there, there's, you know, uh, there's songs, you know, that I think about all the time. Please keep your drink when you cut the grass. Just kidding. We don't do like, that. Like, I, like I've had cleaning. Warren Zevon's "Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner" stuck on my head for about a month now. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I have a house cleaning playlist. Oh, uh, so, see, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So no, so I I admire that because uh, you know if you if you because it is a good song. It's a fun song. I will say you know uh, you know uh, love lies love lies bleeding or funeral for a friend. You know, um, or is that the same song? Funeral for a friend. Yeah, it's not um, my number one. Just that's that's you. my favorite. Um, <laughs> well, I'm I'm demented, so that's why it's mine. But uh, yeah, that's right. You heard it here. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Songs about death and destruction. Um, so oh, I see, I got a little skeleton there. But yeah, so uh, no, no, that's a good pick, uh, Susan. Uh, what about you? What's your what's your number one ultimate? And okay, my number one is bounce rock roll skate by Von Mason and Crew. Von Mason and Crew. Oh, is yeah. that are those it's the, the one that goes roll bounce all skate? Are those the Orange County Von Masons or the Sacramento? Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It just was fun. I, I don't know. No, there. The, it's 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 to me. It's the ultimate in the rhythm. It's the ultimate. And they do say all skate in the middle of it. So yeah. you've heard it. You just don't remember it. But yeah. I know I've heard it. I, I, I'm just, it, it, it's one of those songs I know, but it's like putting it in my yeah. head, you know, is another thing entirely. Yes. So, uh, wow. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. It, it, it uh, is. Honorable, yep. honorable mention, we should talk about what was couple skate, well, your favorite it. couple skate. Oh, there, there you go. There you go. You do uh, uh, parting shots uh, at the end of the show. So put those in your back pocket. Just that. Put those in your yeah, back, in pocket. back pocket. We're going to go ahead and uh, go to the break. And, of course, our house band is back again, everybody. They didn't make the list, and their feelings are hurt. Oh, man. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, we're going to run to the break. And when we come back, Miles has some good news for us and some other fun things. But, yeah, I just hope the band doesn't take this too hard. Why? Why was I programmed to feel pain? <laughs>
Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here. Really? Yes, it's just that simple. Listen to the Bradcast every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on Radio for Humans. Please visit radioforhumans.com and bradblog.com. Let it all hang out. Oh, wow. That, to me, is extremely exciting.
I could kiss you in the mouth. Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast, and you can hear our show Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Radio for Humans. So much jammed into this here program tonight. All up in here. Jamming and cramming. Whatever. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, welcome back to uh, 3G Geeky Gals and Guys, episode two. So excited. I wonder how long I'm going to be able to remember the number of episodes. It's pretty easy when it's only episode two because you know what number is divi- divisible by two? Six, six, six. <laughs> Yeah. It's also divisible by a lot of other numbers as well. Uh, but yes. uh, all right. So welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, Susan, Curtis, Michelle, and myself, Kenny Pick. And uh, last but not least, Miles, uh, you, my friend. Um, I don't know. I feel like we need something like some breaking news uh, thing for, for you. Uh, we're going to have to... See what oh, we have. Yeah. Good so. idea. A little, yeah, a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so a we need a, like a fun yeah. news tick, tick, A ticker tape sound yeah. and something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, oh, here. I, I got, at the very least, I have uh, Michael Shannon, known for playing uh, General Zod, uh, of course, uh, in uh, Man of Steel. Uh, here you go. Newsflash, you stupid fucking cock. Okay, that's nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Oh. I approve. So, oh, I'm sorry. I approve. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I just <laughs> pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> so, behind the curtain. <laughs> All right, Miles, what do you got for us tonight? All right, so the first thing that caught my eye this week as a sign of positive, and it actually comes from a Republican governor from the state of Texas. And that he is, ex- because of COVID uh, and how bad things are flaring up there, he is extending the early voting in that state. Now, early voting favors us. It doesn't favor, the more people that, that it's it's consistent, the more people that vote, the better it is for us. Mm-hmm. They, that, there's a reason why the right suppresses the vote. So this move will allow more people to vote spread it out over time, you know, keeping people alive. That's the goal, sure. but yeah, it yeah. benefits it, it. And Texas is already polling neck and neck. I mean, it was bad enough for uh, Ted Cruz when he ran against O'Rourke or when O'Rourke ran against Ted Cruz mm-hmm. and uh, lost by a mere 3%, which in Texas is like unheard of. I mean, Texas is just, is <sighs> a hellhole. A shithole country. <laughs> well, um, no. And the reason I say that is I, I think it was Hal Sparks that said, <laughs> no, I'm saying, no, no, I stand corrected. Trey Crowder. Okay. 
It was Trey Crowder, uh, who, for those of you who don't know, is also known as the uh, liberal redneck on YouTube. No, he yeah. said, and and he and I and I agree with him that pretty much all this uh, red and blue, red state, blue state thing, it isn't like Mississippi is, you know, ninety nine percent conservative. It's mm-hmm. not. It's only like sixty percent, but they've gerrymandered to, you know, what have you. And so California is the opposite. It's only there are a lot of Republicans in California. Yeah, Orange County. Yeah, <laughs> that's oh, where yeah. all the coronavirus. So exactly. I mean to say that it's you know I, you know I'm not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna call any state a shithole state. Yeah. If you know, but well, there are I, liberals in I every did. state. So I know I know that's fine. I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to. I like the fifty state strategy. So, yeah. Ooh, that brings me up to the second good news. And that is that Trump, the Trump campaign pulled their TV ads out of the state of Michigan. Now, you can't believe word one coming out of Trump's mouth. Ever. I mean, that man will lie just to just to for the sake of doing it. But, yeah, he, he gets off on lying. Yes. But with a capital T. He's a lying liar. <laughs> He's a lying liar of lies. Yes. You when you when you follow the money, you know that's true. And when he is pulling money out of Michigan, that is a big white flag going, we're not gonna waste any more of our money. We've got other priorities. They are cons- that is essentially conceding Michigan. Boy, and I that, hope you're right. I, I, I'm not saying they're going to win Michigan, but they look at Michigan yeah, and go, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, so, they so they're looking him. back and thinking Hillary Clinton had a really great strategy, then, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh God, the conversations we get. Anyway, so the. Uh, and we just don't let it get you complacent. Everybody still has oh. to go out and vote. Oh, check, yes. you, check your voting registration at vote.org constantly yeah. to make sure you don't get kicked off. As, as John Fugel saying says, uh, vote uh, like you're losing. You yeah. Know, hope that, yeah. You know, yeah. Be glad that you're went ahead, but vote like you're losing. And what Bob Seska says, don't get happy. Right. No, <laughs> never get happy or complacent. I mean, I was, I was, uh, I stayed up in 2016 and uh, I watched and I went to. I went. I went to bed with a knot in my stomach that was just. Ugh, ugh. Uh, Curtis, I mean, Curtis, other- Curtis. I don't. I don't. If, uh, I don't know if you know the fun fact about uh, the. Uh, it, it will turn up the night. My my uh, political show. Uh, we Tuesdays. Our show, we always do shows on election day. Um, yeah. and uh, it's been that way for the last eleven years now, and um, the twenty sixteen um uh that that Tuesday election <laughs> show. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> oh no! I remember that much. I remember listening for a bit, and I turned it off, and I went to bed with a clear conscience because I I was one of those people that in no way I was like, "There's no way. There's just no way. There's more people that are, are going to vote for Hillary than vote for Trump. So there's no way he's winning." I went to bed with a clear conscience yep. and woke up shocked, like everybody else. Like, wait, what? You went oh, away. We more saw, people did yeah. vote for her. That's true. I yeah. was trying. I was. I was trying so hard, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to derail uh, Curtis's segment. But I was trying so hard on that show. <laughs> it's to, miles, to, and you said you would do that. God <laughs> damn it! 
Why don't we I don't, have a segment? I, I think it goes both ways. Clearly, uh, you know, it's just interchangeable. You guys a, a have to an announcer. You yes. gotta, you gotta interpret for me here, because I'm gonna keep doing that shit. Now, okay. Now I'm you now offended. now you know how Michelle now you know how Michelle felt uh, every time I said rain instead of. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. So. Every time, every time you do it, I'm like, how can you not tell? There's a big difference between Curtis. There's and Miles. an amazingly wonderful difference, but they both <laughs> kind of are. Uh, you know, they're they're both great friends, and there's a, they have they share a lot of similar interests, and it's just like, you know. But now I feel like the asshole listener that says, who Sue just said that? Who was that guy who said that? And it's like, are you not paying attention? I've said their names 18 times. Um, you know. <laughs> you so. If we develop enough episodes, it would be funny to have, like, somebody quote either one of us. And we'll and we'll, have, we'll quiz Kenny. It's Miles or Curtis. That's the name of the segment. There we go. Did Miles there we go. or Curtis say this yeah. statement? I like it. I like so, it. So, all right. Go ahead. Go so ahead, Miles. Not only Michigan. Uh, but Trump has uh, pretty much uh, this week suspended campaign spending. I mean, it's like they, they were, they, I think the, the message they said was something along the lines of we're reevaluating their strategic, I, I don't know. But whatever, when you, it's, a, it's we're now at less than 100 days. Yeah. We're now at 90, oh, wait, wait, we were less than 100 days last show. Right, we're, we're close. We're now at 92. When, when a campaign is in such disarray that yeah. they have said uh, in the 90 days to go segment that yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a step we're gonna stop spending money right now and we're gonna reassess <laughs> that does not speak well of their game plan it really well, does you know you know what yeah. that kind of says to me well, can't you see that's the last act of a desperate man it's kind of like John McCain <laughs> suspending his campaign uh, during the financial crisis uh, of uh, 2012 yeah uh, no, no, 2008 2008 <laughs> shit <laughs> uh, yeah 2008 I'm old yeah the the uh, but it's a man. Oh, so watch when you see them stop spending money, and all of a sudden they're just like, "Yeah, uh, let's punt." <laughs> uh, uh, it feels so good to just see them floundering like a fish out of water, just flopping around like. Uh, and and, and that the, was a sports oh, term. okay, good news. Here we go for my fi- uh, uh, the uh, my final thought about the good news. So. And I, and I understand this. This hurts. Um, there's a lot of people out there, you know, in economic pain, and this is a bad. You know, the economy's going very, very poorly. But the report for the GDP came out, and it was, I believe, the worst quarter in the history of the United States. If I can confirm, yeah, I, I, that's what I'd heard. And this is good. So news. much winning. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so now you can. Uh, a, a president can have a problem and try and spin it this way or that, and the people will kind of go with, the, you know, uh, if there's a war that breaks out, you know, the, the American people tend to rally against them, blah, blah, blah. But when the economy is suffering, the guy sitting in the Oval Office really has an uphill climb. And this does not help him at all. And there's no sign of it getting any better. No. I mean, it, it, this is... Uh, so the so report came... 
So I'm sorry. Still gonna vote, but yeah, I'm, no, I'm right. Glad to hear. But th this report came out in uh, end of July, so that was the end of the um, second quarter. Second quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so and next report in three months. You're looking at end of October. Mm -hmm. So just before the election, and the new Ooh. report's gonna come out. And how bad do you think they're gonna try and delay it? Like, oh, oh, don't, 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 don't report that. Don't report, no. And not that it's gonna matter. It's already bad. It, it's but it's pretty bad. Yeah, it is bad. And he's and he's touting. Um, and how Sparks uh, mentions this when when you when you lose thirty five million jobs, and you mm -hmm. gain five million back, that's not a job growth of five million jobs. And that's what Trump is touting it as. He's like, I get the highest job growth ever. Blah blah blah. Nope, 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 nope. Those are people that are coming back from being furloughed, you know, whatever, that because economies are opening back up too soon. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, you know, I'm furloughed and, and, they're in, and work in the music industry, so there's no potential way for me to go back. My company's already mm -hmm. stated it won't be until over a year from now. Um, yeah. Because guess who they're listening to? Scientists, not the president. <laughs> and Wonderful. And uh, also, when I said I felt old earlier, you, you remember, I don't know if you you guys have ever seen, and this will just take a second, you've ever seen, like, they tell a story about, like, you know, oh, this he's celebrating his 101st birthday today, and he's lived through nine presidents, and, you know, and, and then I was thinking, I, I've, I've actually lived through nine presidents now. <laughs> yeah. You know when you see those little bi the, those little biography pieces on the news or whatever about you know some veteran mm -hmm. or something like they lived through nine different presidents. We have lived through nine different presidents. <laughs> yeah, because I think well, we were all born. Better. We were all born when Nixon was president, right? FDR. Uh, ah, yeah. no, I was in '67. Oh wait, so you were Kennedy? LBJ. Oh wait, LBJ. LBJ. '63. Yeah. Okay. So uh, sorry, I fucked that one up. But yeah, so all right, so ten presidents for Miles, nine for the rest of us. But but to be fair, for the for the people that are like oh that old, I mean FDR did suck up four terms. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and that that brings up a pet peeve of mine. You will see. Oh yeah, here we go. So you will right. see on Facebook people talking about term limits. Mm -hmm. Term limits are not there to protect you from from people that are are in their office for so long that they're, you know, turn corrupt or whatever blah blah blah. When they get corrupt, they get kicked out. When they go bad, yeah. they get voted out. I mean, yeah, they can they can uh, you know, like Trump, fool enough people some of the time. But the purpose of term limits is to so that because they they couldn't get FDR out. He was too popular. Yeah. And so the people, the people in the power structure understood if we got a situation where we can't, where there's someone that represents the people and the people beloved them, we need a mechanism to get this guy out of office because we can't get him voted out because he's too popular or she's too popular. Yeah, yeah. And so if you did not have term limits, we would currently be in Obama's third term. Period. Don't tease me, Miles. <laughs> yes. No, I'm just saying my pet peeve about term limits. When yeah. you yeah. see that crap on Facebook or whatever, I I go I comment against it every time. It's a it's a it's it's a 
insidious strategy by those that are trying to literally they are limiting your choices. The yeah. time limits anyway. We would How still we get have into a this mess? cabinet. We would still have a pandemic control oh, uh, yeah. organization. Yeah. All of that wonderful stuff. But instead, we have this donkey poo show. Yeah, and. Uh... And uh, yeah, let's not let's not get into the 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 bad news yeah. portion of this because uh, I you almost you almost you tricked me. <laughs> I almost I almost went crazy, but no, we gotta we gotta stick to it. And meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice, um, let's just take a moment and think about Obama's third term. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a happy, that's a happy moment. We would have really actually had infrastructure weeks when they said we were having infrastructure weeks. <laughs> yeah. Just think of the people that would be on the Supreme Court right now. Yeah. Pandemic and, response. That's yeah. all I must say. <laughs> Two words, pandemic response. Yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and not, uh, but I just want to go back uh, real quick because I want to give this back to uh, uh, Miles, not Curtis. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, is I, I posted something the other day on uh, on Facebook, uh, and I found a picture from going through an old stack of comics, and I found a Superman twenty twenty story. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, wow. it, in the back of Action Comics, they did a, a short run called Superman twenty twenty, where the the grandson of the current Superman, or or the World War Two Superman, actually, um, you know, uh, was the Superman of twenty twenty. And it was funny because uh, live in Long Island uh, put. Um, he said, just think that Space 1999 was supposed to happen in the future. <laughs> and, and I said, don't worry, Space Force will build Moonbase Alpha next oh. infrastructure week. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I cried with, go ahead. Said that ain't going to happen, Captain. Go ahead. No. No, I, I cried tears of laughter when I saw the trailer for uh, Space Force. And they're watching a rocket lift off, and it explodes on the launch pad. And and Steve Carroll asks the other guy standing there, like, "Oh, how much did that cost us?" And the guy says, four. It's like four million. It's like no, four middle schools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed so hard at the look exactly. on Steve Carroll's face, like he just. Oh. <laughs> well, anyway, so uh, Miles, do you have uh, another good news story, to, or do you have your question you want to ask real quick? Yes. We, Let we me gotta... go with the question, and okay. everyone can chime in if they, hopefully they thought thought of something. If not, that's okay. So my my question is, what is your favorite moment in fiction, whether it be uh, fantasy, science fiction, uh, you know, anything modern? Of uh, when I say a favorite moment, it is that time when you watched a movie, read a book, TV show, uh, even you know, maybe a comic book that you you got. Um, for example, I'll just this is not my moment, but as a for example, when Ripley was in the machine of the loading thing and caught, came in after the queen and said, get away from her, you bitch. And I've heard stories of people standing up and yelling and cheering in the theaters, yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> um, that's that kind of moment I'm talking about. What is a moment? So my moment is actually in the Dune series of books written by uh, Frank Herbert. It's in the fifth. I want to say the fifth. No, mm -hmm. I'm wrong. I think it's okay. the fourth. No, it could be the fifth. Anyway. It, there's a character named Miles Tag. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a reason I'm named Miles. <laughs> it's for oh. this character. You're named for that character? Oh. I named myself for this character because he was so badass. So he's Bashar Miles Tag. Bashar's a title. Anyway, 
he was helping some people escape from the bad guys. The bad guys were chasing them through the forest and up a hill, and they were trying to make it to a landing pad where there was a ship to take them and make an escape. And he was carrying along with him two LAS guns. These are uh, basically laser rifles. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, you guys make for the ship. I'm going to hold here and delay them so you can make, you know, make your escape. So he, he gets behind a rock, and the enemy is making their way up the hill. And there's, you know, a, 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 a company of people, you know, uh, you know, like there's 20, 30, 50 of them, however many, and they're coming up the hill. And they want to take them alive, but they're coming up and he's firing, you know, shots. And he is intentionally just, you know, he's not that careful with his aim. He's just firing basically to slow them down, keep their heads down, make them have to move from tree to tree, that kind of thing. You know, he's slowing them down to give the people behind him time to escape. Sure. Given now, cover. as he's firing, eventually the las gun runs out of energy, and it takes time. It takes time to replace the power pack on these weapons. This is known by the enemy, and the enemy, their officers go, "Ah, move, everybody, move, 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 move," because they're going to use this gap in time to close the distance. And so everybody stands up, gets from it, and just starts charging up the hill. At which mm -hmm. point, Miles Ted grabs the second las gun sets it to maximum and just sweeps the whole hillside like with a 500-foot lightsaber. Trees exploding, <laughs> people cut in half, everything. Just, <laughs> it's just, uh, and I read that, and I was just like, oh, my God. That was such an... He, 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 was, a he was a strategist, a genius attack. That's I, gold. I read that, and that just sent chills. I, I, I'm getting chills just thinking about the moment right now. Well, I, I love that I, I have a very similar uh, moment, although quite different strategy in defeating your enemy, is uh, from uh, the Martian Chronicles. It, well, this this portion, of, it, it appeared in the sixth chapter of uh, Martian Chronicles. Um, it was called the Third Expedition, but originally appeared as Mars's Heaven in uh, 1948 oh. Planet Stories. And what happens is this Martian, this early Martian expedition, I think Captain John Black was leading, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of guys, you know, all over. They're from Pennsylvania. They're from Virginia, Kentucky, whatever. And they all land on Mars. They get out and they're like, holy shit, is that my house? And then one guy's like, oh, my God, there's my there's my grandma and my granddad. And, 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 and they're trying to keep them in, you know, the captain is trying to keep them all in, you know, the ship and say, no, 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 you're not leaving the ship you know, just stay here. And then, but then, you know, everybody starts seeing pictures of home while they're on Mars and then they're, they're running and they're just diving to the arms of dead loved ones. And they're like, and, and their loved ones are saying, you know, oh, you're home. Thank you for coming home. You know, and Mars is heaven. This is where we all go when we die. And and everybody, and they're just, oh, they're so happy to see their loved ones. And and they're oh. like having meals and playing piano and singing. Um, oh, no, they, they actually, uh, I, I think they played, um, oh, so, Susan, what's the old-timey Ohio song? Um, oh. oh. 
Oh, uh, oh God! Uh, oh, I wish I knew that. No, no, no! It's not. No, no! It's it, it's um. I'll, I'll I'll figure out what song it was. But yeah, they're, so they're singing songs. There's been radio adaptations of this too, which were great on X minus one uh, Dimension X, I think. Um, and you know, so they're all just you know do, and they're like, all right, time to tuck you into bed and everything like that. And the whole thing, the whole time, they've just been mind controlled by actual Martians, and they die in their sleep. Because they're colonists and they're like, no motherfuckers, we're smarter than yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, very nice. So that, that very story is sitting in our bathroom. There's a book of anthologies of uh, Isaac Asimov's best science fiction stories. I, I, I've read that story. It's awesome. Well, this is Ray Bradbury and it's in the Martian Chronicles. Um, it was also in his show. The Ray, when he did his Ray Bradbury show, yes, the, the, yeah, the yeah, anthology the, series, it, they mm-hmm. did a short version of that. Uh, there HBO, too. I think, did that, and that's a great thing yeah. about Ray Bradbury stuff is so much of it is short because Martian Chronicles essentially is an anthology. You know, Rocket mm-hmm. Summer, all that stuff. It, it, uh, Usher two, Usher two. Don't get me started. Um, uh, but yeah, all of that stuff. It, it's uh, the last Martian. Oh God, I gotta stop. Um, but yeah, it, 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 oh god, I gotta stop. My favorite <laughs> book of all time, Martian Chronicles. Absolutely. So, um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, all right. So we're right at the top of the hour. Anybody else uh, have a quick? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll go like five minutes over, but I don't want to cut too much into Michelle's time. No, I'm good. I'm good. I don't really have anything that springs to mind. I like so many things. It's hard to. I want to hear, hear about Stonehenge, though. Susan, you got yes. anything? Suze, you got a a, um, a moment? Yeah, but it, it it's about my favorite book. Um, Little asked, big. Yeah, so I was looking at my bookshelf here, and then I favorite book is Little Big by John Crowley, and I was just gonna explain a quick um, scene Go, from it, but it's gonna yeah. take more than five minutes. But um, yeah, I do want to hear about Stonehenge. What do you want to just give the overarching, uh, you know, without explaining too too much? Do you do you want to just? Uh, it would take more than five minutes. All right. Okay. Well, Maybe I'll not. tell you what. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Just I'll, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll start the timer for two minutes. Go. Okay. So anyway, there's this character Sophie, and uh, he has a baby with her, who lives in the old law form. And the old law farm sounds so cool because it's like an old, um, it's a thing in the city, in the inner city, where this big house kind of broke down and they just had a farm. Like they've got goats and chickens living in the buildings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they do all the farming and they grow things inside it. So um, character that was her lover, whose name I forget, she comes back to him and it's it's a fairy tale, okay? Um, yeah. It would, it's hard to explain, but it's a modern fairy tale like Lost Girl. You guys have seen all those, Miles and Michelle. Um, so she comes back and she's like, this isn't our baby, and I don't know what to do with it. Oh. And he's like, oh, okay. And basically it's a changeling. So, um, the the character is like, and the, char- and the, the baby's like, you know so it starts crawling around and they start arguing and uh george that's his name like a stockpile of fireworks so it starts going around and it starts just eating random things and stuff so he just he's just like freaked out by it 
baby, which is not a baby. It's like a, a it's, changeling. it's an evil fairy changeling. Yeah. So he, he just like grabs it <laughs> and throws it with matches into the stockpile of fireworks. <laughs> before he closes the door, he sees it like eating fireworks, like just shoving them in its mouth and eating them. <laughs> and then the whole like place blows up. Oh, that was fine. Yeah. There it was. Well, yeah. Shazam. Might have been less than two minutes. I don't know. Yeah. There you go. Been. All right. Curtis, do you have one before we go to the break? Just real quick, I'll go through this. It wasn't a, a book because each book that I was thinking of would take like 10 minutes for me to go through the setup to why these moments were important. But I'm going to say like uh, what, you know, really impressed me and still does to this day when I watch it is that moment in Return of the Jedi uh, when the whole series is flipped on its head for me. And it's not even Vader saying that he's Luke's father. It's that moment where he's watching his son being murdered by the emperor. And that it, it, it's such an incredible performance because it's, it's a guy in a mask, but you see it, you see something take place in that character where he's like, fuck this. And he, he rises up uh, against his master. Like I, I still love that scene. I, I remember walking out of the theater, like just it, uh, it almost a catatonic state after watching that. And yeah, uh, same and, here. And it's the, the stories of redemption that absolutely nobody is beyond help uh, yeah. is, is the kind of thing that really resonates with me. So that 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 shook me up, and that that's my moment. Well, and that's good, too, because it, it, that messed with me a lot when I was a kid. And, um, and, and I will say the one thing that the prequels did showed that, you know, Anakin Skywalker, he wasn't inherently evil. Uh, he was yeah. being manipulated. So... Even though we didn't know that back history. Like Herman Cain. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even though, even though, even though we, we didn't know that back history when we saw Jedi, um, uh, we all, I think I can speak for all of us. We kind of had a sense of it. We kind of yeah, had a yeah. sense that he was a good yeah. person before all this because of what Obi-Wan had said and everything. So, um, yeah. but Michelle. I was always, before yep. that story came out, I was was like this one becomes so evil yeah like i mean is darth vader pure evil like this was things i thought of as a child and yeah. and how did he become like you know pod racing more machine now than man yeah it's like thanos thanos watched people you know starvation and decided yeah. the way to solve this problem is cut the population in half yeah. as opposed yeah. to doubling the resources but you know. So Michelle, did you did you want to uh, uh, throw in real quick on this before we get to uh, the break? Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a real quick one. Um, Frank Saberhagen wrote a series of books based on Dracula. Now in this series, um, it was taken from Dracula's point of view, and Dracula pretty much is is saying at one point is that they killed Lucy, Doctor Van Helsing, and yeah. the three paramour, uh, the three uh, uh, you know uh, the the, the the three gentlemen that were courting Lucy killed her because Dr. Van Helsing was a uh, an early stage of a phlebotomist at the time. He replaced her blood with lamb's blood. Oh. Wow. And wow. this is, yeah, so, so it, it's taking the Dracula myth and, and, and putting it as Dracula as a sympathetic character and how he was trying to save Lucy's life. And that's why he had to transform her. He wasn't intending to tra tra mm -hmm. transforming her. But he had to to keep her 
sparkling personality still alive, and then they, you know, Van Helsing and his crew went and killed her anyways. So, in a slightly so. different idiom, it's it's kind of a Darth Vader, uh, you know, uh, uh, doing doing something to try and save somebody he loves. Yes, yeah, yeah, so. and he wasn't he wasn't an evil creature, and it's a very cool. It, the, the whole series, there's like six or seven books, and you know, you you end up with Dracula meeting Sherlock Holmes and Dracula meeting Merlin, Ooh. and it just like it's that. just a whole cool series of books. Very nice. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to hear about another very interesting topic when we come back. And uh, that's going to be, uh, what is it, uh, Stonehenge? Stonehenge. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And, uh, other, and, other, and other ancient circular sites. Excellent. I like it. So, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, hit the break. We'll be right back with lots more. We got to feed some cats. Yeah, we got to feed some cats. They're whining. Oh, my God. Anyway, we'll be right back with more geeky gals and guys right after this. The Death Star plans are not in the main computer. Now for something completely different. What year is this? For your own safety, please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Set your phasers to stun, your sonic screwdrivers to analyze mode, and keep your towels handy. It's time to let your inner nerd come out and play. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. This is Geeky Gals and Guys with Michelle and Miles. Trace the call. It's coming from inside the house. The Suze and Kenny. Don't get goofy on me. And some guy named Curtis. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? This is a party I would go to. Okay. And now it's time for Geeky Gals and Guys. Take it away, gang. Oh, look at that. Second show and we're already way off schedule. <laughs> All right, welcome back to 3G Geeky Gals and Guys right here on Radio for Humans. And in no specific order, Curtis. Miles, or Miles or Curtis, <laughs> Susan, me, your buddy Ken, and of course, Michelle, and uh, from what I understand, you, you've got uh, designs on talking about uh, one of our favorite geographical locations, and and related ones. Uh, Stonehenge, where the demons dwell, oh. where the banshees live, and they do live well. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we got that lined up for you. And uh, you also requested some eerie music, so I think I can probably uh, assist for that because I, as you know, am a lover, not a fighter, of royalty-free music. And uh, so I, I, I queued up some, some spooky music for you to talk about. Stoning. Yeah, and it's, it's problem with we make this segment a little shorter just because you know uh, of the time so that's not it's easy easier to do with this uh, information all right um what we have is that um thanks to the bbc news um an article that was written on july 29th of 2020 the stonehenge saracen sounds origin mystery has finally been solved Oh. Basically, they have been trying to date to, to analyze and figure out where these stones have come from. Just you know, over these years since 2500 BC, when this supposedly was uh, erected, 
And what had happened is that um, uh, there was a missing piece of the site, which has been finally returned. It was uh, taken away from Stonehenge about 60 years ago. Okay. And it was a capstone. And they needed this to get another core sample so they could finally narrow down where, uh, where the stones were actually quarried. So the archaeologists have finally um, pinpointed the source of the stones to an area about 15 miles north of the site near Marlborough. And Marlborough is in Wilkshire in, um, in uh, 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 England. And uh, Wiltshire's, you know, got two different stone standing stone um, uh, sites. It's got Stonehenge, mm -hmm. and then it's got another one that they call that, that's an Avebury, which is a very large circle of stones that surrounds the entire village there. But Stonehenge mm -hmm. is the most famous one because people have been wondering about it for for you know hundreds and hundreds of years. What was its purpose? Where did the stones come from? How were they transported? Well, finally, we know where the stones came from, which oh, is very cool. pretty big in archaeological news. Yeah, and and this just uh, we we just learned this news. Yes, we just learned this news. Yep, just recently. Fascinating. And yeah, they um, yeah, there was a, a gentleman named Robert Phillips, of 89, was involved in those works. Um, he decided to return the part of the stone that they just recently tested. So, Now, was there, uh, 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 was there an active archaeological dig up until recently to where they, they discovered this? Or was this piecing things together from things that had been found in the past? Well, they knew there was a capstone or missing both. they didn't yeah. know where it was and they could they could figure it out by the way the stones had settled into the earth and how they had been arranged mm -hmm. and you know if, if it was going to keep up with the design that they suspected was supposed to be there there was a single capstone missing and they've actually got pictures um of from back in 1958 where that show a crane lifting a capstone up off the top of it really and they didn't know where it had been at that point until they just recently, this guy stepped forward and said, look, I've got it. You know, here you go. Oh, I forgot I had this. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this huge thing that took a huge crane to remove. Oh, you know, God. I, I you know, for this. I thought it was with my old house keys or something. Uh, <laughs> in the yeah, junk they, drawer. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, they had uh, originally done an X-ray fluoroscope testing of the remaining stones, um, which revealed most shared a similar chemistry and came from the same area. So then they started analyzing outcroppings around uh, England and compared them to the chemical comp composition. But with this, you know, with this final core sample they were able to get from this actual stone that was returned, they've 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 narrowed it down. So wow. that is. That's pretty darn cool. So, so basically, it was like a lot of resources and research and history uh, went into this finding. So that's that's awesome. Yes, and it's it's you know something scientists you know you know they they it, you know it's it's neat when you can return a site to its original condition because a oh, lot of times absolutely. people will take you know these stones stuff like that because they've already been worked. Mm -hmm. So they could be used for other things. You know, the people who used this for whatever reason they had before didn't need them anymore. 
you know, why why go out and work a stone yourself when you have one over there that you can, you know, just pull out of the field and sure. take home and make it into an anvil or a, you know, a, 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 a patio. A, 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 Grinding <laughs> meal on or something, you sure. know how it is. Well, yeah, you know, or, or just nice little patio to have a, a craft beer. <laughs> yes. You know, a bench. So, there you go, a bench yeah. in your garden. Yeah, in your formal, yeah, your formal it's... British garden. You have a bench now. Well, that's a big ass bench, son. Um, <laughs> yeah, that you, so, <laughs> you uh, no, that's nice. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, but, it, you said there were some other locations too where they. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you what's kind of funny is that circular these these circular monolithic structures. These structures are not just um, limited to Britain. I mean, they're all over the world. I mean, we yeah. have them here in the United States. Uh, we have medicine wheels, sure. which are basically, you know, from the on tribal lands, which were created. Some are, you know, and uh, you know, created by you know different um, indigenous cultures mm-hmm. to you know represent you know the wheels of life, the, the you know passings of the seasons. Similar stuff that the, that what they think Stonehenge was used for, and you know it's another circular structure. So the circular structure has a, I'm guessing it's I I, I haven't read up too much on it, but it's there's there's science in it, and they used it sometimes as a religious purpose, sometimes yeah, as a way to yeah the the, cir- the yeah the, the, cir- the you're right the circle is kind of a universal spiritual symbol or the circle the wheel. Uh, or a sphere kind of thing, you know, meaning the sun or a continuing loop. Uh, you know, wedding rings I mean, are have, a good example yeah, of that, have, you know. Yeah, they have other structures in Japan, in Australia, in mm-hmm. um, Brazil. Um, even in, in Scandinavians used to bury their dead in, in circular carns. Yeah. So I, I just watched this thing on Stonehenge and they specifically have it positioned yes but if you're there on the solstice the sun does raise through a certain way like so basically they can figure out you know the longest day of the year they have it marked so on the longest day of the year in you know the equinox is it the no it's not yeah. i forget what they're called it's called the equinox oh, yeah. Solstice and the equinox. There oh, are two. Solstice, yeah. It'll raise through a, at a certain area, so they can figure out like you know, a pre place, you know, without before they the had clock. their swatches. Yeah, without, Swatch, without before they had their swatches or computers, they could be like <laughs> on the the longest day of the year, the sun will go right there. Then we will know in so many days we need to harvest and we need to do this or, you know, whatever yeah. needs to be done. Yeah. That was their paper calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. In their just, paper calendars. You know, they just oh. shared it and it was a lot heavier and a lot bigger. So. And, yeah, so, and even, even even they say even some of the medicine wheels did this, did a similar purpose. Yeah. Track the days mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, so you knew when the harvest time was coming. When you knew when the the, uh, the deer were going to start migrating, or mm-hmm. the geese, or the buffalo, the bison. You know, and um, and a lot of them were used for you know, as I said, you know, for the, for their 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 religious practices and such. Um, but it's I, I I do think I do love the fact that it's circular structures all over the world that are the mm-hmm. most prominent, prominent, and they're, they're the ones that, mm-hmm. that have lasted for millennia. 
Yeah. Look at, you know, Stonehenge, 2500 BC. Yeah. You know, Machu Picchu has circular structures. You know, it's 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 it's, it's such an endearing symbol, an enduring symbol, and it shows up everywhere. Yeah. You know, and 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 if I was a if I was a conspiracy person, that that would just signify that everybody you know had contact with aliens. But I am not. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Hey, Ken, aren't you playing ominous music in the background? By the yeah, way, yeah. M- Michelle and asked uh, me for ominous music, so yeah, I am. Yeah. So it's. I it know- the thing. I, I think of it as a very functional way. You know, it's like, oh, you don't have a clock. Um, you got somebody telling you, uh, well, you know, it's snowing in two weeks, and you don't have the news or the weather channel. <laughs> sun sundials are pretty good for telling what time of the day it is. Shadows fall, but how do you know what exactly type of year it is? Right now, it, it rained. It must be November. It must be September. No, it's not, you know? no way if I, I didn't have a calendar for me to tell what time it is if i didn't have a stonehenge if i have stonehenge i could be like okay you know what this whole conversation is is leading me to believe that we're doing it wrong with our tvs and our phones they should be round yes. they yes. should be round you so, should throw them out what no our tvs and phones should be round yeah they, cool. have, yeah, they have a, a really large one that's in um syria that's not, it doesn't have the big standing stones like Stonehenge, but mm-hmm. it is a circle of stones that's done in, in almost perfect circle around another perfect circle, around another perfect circle, around another perfect circle. Concentric and rings. This thing is over, they say between three to 4,000 BC. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that, what, what country is that in? Um, Syria. Syria. So that's real close to, uh, Iran, which mm-hmm. where we know Sumerian uh, culture prospered, and a lot of other religious parallels occurred there, then uh, that were actually lifted by uh, Christians, Muslim, well, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. So first form of writing cuneiform. Cuneiform, yeah. Cuneiform. They say it's made up of over 42,000 basalt rocks arranged in concentric circles. It has a mound 15 feet tall at its center. Wow. And that's another thing, too. The mounds, you know, in the animal effigies and things like that, that, you know, that's everywhere uh, for indigenous cultures, Um, you know, in North America and Australia and, uh, you know, again, not just the mounds, but effigies and things you can see, uh, you know, South America, like aerial uh, depictions of creatures and things like that. But yeah, what is definitely a constant though is the circle because, you know, lots of geometric shapes are, uh, you know, pyramids, uh, squares, things like that. But, you know, the the circle and, you know, the sphere, the the ring, whatever, definitely very universal in a lot of cultures and you know i i think once people become became fully aware uh of how you know you know once they started to identify and become cognizant of their surroundings and truly sentient uh is an early early in our race uh that was something that was easy to identify 
globally, you know. And and it's and it's really interesting to, to about this is that they they think they have the same thoughts about this spot that they do about Stonehenge, mm-hmm. that it was used as a place of worship, as a calendar, as you yeah. know for astronomical observations, and then later turned into a burial site. Very cool. Very cool. So I I just think I I, I just seeing these circular structures all across the world. And just it, it just it's just so neat that the, that people who had no really large ship travel at that time mm-hmm. that were on continents separated from each other yeah come up with the same ideas. Mm-hmm. Now pearls were all linked. Yeah. You know, so we you know, we can't say you know we're you know that, that, that this people is better than this people. We're all linked. We're all the same. We all have the same kind of problems. Yes. Yeah, so, and the same kind of thoughts. The same kind yeah. of science. We'll eventually all yeah. work it out. Just sometimes other people's concerns are on different things. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I, I guess we, uh, we should see uh, 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 Curtis and Miles, you've been a little quiet. You want to say something before we... Uh, uh, go I, I am break. gobsmacked by this subject. Thank you so much for sharing this, Michelle. You're like, welcome. Yeah, th- this was absolutely the kind of thing where, oh, yeah, this cuts through all of the bullshit yeah. of this or that or that person. Or I will pick my team. And like, oh, this is such a staggering testament to who we are as a people, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, between Kenny's music and the subject matter, <laughs> what I was, what I was hearing in my head was that amazing uh, voiceover. I can't remember the actor's name, but the beginning of Coman, where he's like, "Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age of dreamed of." You know, like, oh, I think we're gonna have to make that into a bumper. Yes. Please do. Yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. what I was hearing the whole time. Like I was just awestruck by the whole thing. Really, I yeah. hold this with reverence for oh, real. Well, what you've done here, Michelle, is incredible. Yeah. Well, I'm not a scientist. I just take what I read. But it's pretty. It's really neat. It's a really neat subject to me. So. Well, and, and, and really you know, makes me want to watch in search of. Oh yeah, the old Leonard Yeah, we need that too. We need more Leonard Nimoy. Yes. Use the a no, freaking. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I yeah. um anthropology is a, is the study of Ant Man. Yeah, so uh, this is all very yeah, it's all very cool. It shows how I guess it's uh, as man is an animal. It shows how we all have a common commonality in, right. in the way we address things and see things and, and do things. And so, yeah, the circle being an absolute. I'm a vegetable. Ken's a minerable, mineral. <laughs> I'm a minerable. Um, miserable. Mineral. I, I get it. But uh, right now I'm just, I'm just waiting to hear uh, Ken call, call us um, Kerr Miles or Miles Tiss. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. That ain't far from the truth, man. It's going to happen. All right. Let's go ahead and go to the break. What we do on this show here is very real. Very, very real. And we're going to come back. And it's my segment. And I'm going to talk about Stanley Kubrick, interpreted by Jack Kirby. 
I'm sorry, Arthur C. Clarke, interpreted by Stanley Kubrick, then interpreted by Jack Kirby. Uh, right here on Geeky Gals and Guys. But again, this is all very, very real. It's not real. Just a computer-generated fantasy. <laughs> oh, featured artist, Kill the Hippies, Halloween theme, coming up. Thank you very much for coming to Halabaloo, or should I say, thank you very much. <laughs> Welcome to Halabaloo on this spooky night. Come on in and have a bite on the neck. <laughs> I think you've got a few bats in it's your Halabaloo. God Villa was going to come, but he couldn't fit in the room. And the mummy's running late. He got it's wrapped up in his tomb. And the ghosts say boom. It's a hallabaloo. You're gonna be there too. I love you though. I was at the top of my anatomy class. I can find a vein on anybody. <laughs> Dancing ghouls and singing ghosts. Now raise your cup, propose a toast. The blood! <laughs> Who put steak on the buffet? I specifically said no steak on the buffet! Oh, it's not like a little steak will kill you. No, a steak will literally fucking kill me! That is the one thing that will fucking kill a Dracula, is a steak! That's the fucking fact! How could you not know this? Do you live under a rock? Why, yes I do. It's quite an ice rock, might I add. The sun is rising and our hallelujah is coming to an end. We hope you made some oogie friends. What do you mean, friends? I think you mean to say... It's a <laughs> And a ghost say boo. It's a hallabaloo. You're gonna be there too. This boogieing has loosened the nuts in my head. Wolfman, get down from my couch, you bad boy. You'll be sleeping in the wolf house tonight.
Don't miss Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Radio for Humans. Radioforhumans.com We got the bat plane. We got everything. Drink. Um, Drink. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. My second comic book segment or, or comic book-ish segment coming up. But welcome back. Miles, Michelle, Curtis, and Susan. Geeky Ooh. Gals and Guys. Episode 2. Right here on Radio for Humans. And, uh, yeah, Tennessee is very excited, too, because he just got to eat on that break. So that was very exciting. So, uh, all right. So tonight on the program, guys, I'm very excited about this. Um, I uh, have been a fan of Jack Kirby my entire life. And if you don't know who Jack Kirby is, Jack Kirby co-created characters like Captain America, the X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, uh, Black Panther, uh, the New Gods from DC Comics, uh, the Eternals, so many things. And this guy, he was done so wrong in his life when it came to him. It, well, DC did actually treated Jack Ger- Kirby well until the end of his life because they let him earn money from characters he created for them. Marvel, not so much. So. It's kind of one of these. I don't know if you guys know about this, Michelle. You probably know more than more than most folks. But uh, 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 Jack Kirby was really not treated well, and uh, uh, for years, his friend, his close friend, Mark. Uh, it's it looks like Evanier, uh, or it might be Evanier. I'm not sure how he says his last name, but. <laughs> I remember reading that name as a kid and it was like Evanier. Yeah. Man, that's a cool sounding yeah. name. But like, Evanier. Who knows how you pronounce it. Yeah, Are you a, hey man, is that Evanier? <laughs> it sounds or, like a cheap beer. It really or, does. Ha ha, is that Evanier? Uh you know, it's a, I don't know. It's like one of the three musketeers they don't talk about. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, it, you, you we always uh, Jack Kirby was one a name you couldn't pronounce. There's no other way to pronounce Kirby. <laughs> right? It's, right. Oh, who's that? Carby. Car, 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 yeah. Kirby. Kirby. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Jack Kirby, uh, the inimitable Jack Kirby. Uh, he, he, he looked to earn uh, money uh, through a variety of different ways. He got burned by Marvel. He left Marvel and went to D.C., wasn't super satisfied. He did things like Mr. Miracle and the Demon. He he was doing Jimmy Olsen's pal Superman. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Or, you know, however you want to do it. Uh, if you listen to Paul's Memory Bank, I'm not sure who the pal is in that old, the, the Superman old-time radio. Because it seems real inappropriate. It's like Jim Jordan is Superman. Um, so... Uh, but anyway, but so Jack Kirby ended up going back to Marvel after a stint in the early 70s at DC. 
And they said, uh, somebody came to him at one point and said, hey, Jack, this is eight years after the movie has come out, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, 1976, I believe, is when it came out. The adaptation, uh, this was kind of a new idea in comics, adapting uh, intellectual properties made by somebody else. You know, they'd been done with like Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, things like that. Uh, but 2001, eight years after the Stanley Kubrick movie comes out based on Arthur C. Clarke's novel. And, of course, everybody who's seen uh, any admirer of Kubrick understands the, the beauty of that film and the poignance of that film. Jack Kirby was one of us uh, who, who admired that film. And when it was presented to him to do an adaptation, he was like, of course I will. But he, he struggled with this because he kept trying to like deviate and introduce more ideas and, and you know, make this his own idea, which as a, you know, somebody who's creative, I mean, Miles, you, you write things that, that, you know, are expanding on ideas from, you know, other universes and things like yes. that. And you know that there's a line you can't cross, right? Right. You can't like introduce, you know, if, if you're writing a Star Wars story, well, 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 screw this. We're going to introduce transporters into Star Wars from Star Trek. <laughs> you know that, I mean, come on, that, uh, you, you guffawed, so I know that's ludicrous, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you can't like alter the, the physics of a fictional universe if you're going to be writing uh, an offshoot, right? Right. It, you know, and I'm, uh, yeah, and and, and, <laughs> and and Michelle, and of course, obviously, you you know the same, and and mm -hmm. I'm sure Curtis as well because you've been a, a dungeon master as well. But you know, That's you you, right. you can't change the DNA of what's been given to you. You can work with, you can play in the sandbox. That's what a lot of people say. You know, if they become writers at Marvel and DC, and they're like, I can't wait to play in their sandbox. Yeah. You can right. in, you can introduce some new ideas, but you cannot fundamentally mm -hmm. alter the nature of the universe unless it's a crossover event. Uh, so right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sonic screwdrivers work everywhere. There you go. So, uh, you know, oh my God, it, 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 what would a mixed drink called a Sonic str screwdriver be? Would that be? Um, oh, I, I bet, I'm betting there's one out there. I bet you there is. So, but anyway, not to get too off topic, but yeah, so Jack Kirby was presented in making an adaptation of 2001 A Space Odyssey, and he did. And it was a huge comic book. I think it was called, um, oh, it, I forget what the name, you'll hear what it is. It, it's like um, it's like an archive, no, it's not an archive edition, but it was this huge, huge thing. So the thing is, the what got me started on this is I was going through some old comics the other day, as I mentioned before, and I found three copies, three issues of 2001 A Space Odyssey by Jack Kirby. He wrote and illustrated the entire the series. I, he had different anchors and uh, whatnot, but uh, Mike Royer, Mike Royer, and um, consulting editor was Archie Goodwin. So... So this is interesting to me because I was looking through the comics and I was reading 
Because I have I, I read the adaptation when I was a kid, the actual adaptation of the movie, and I I don't really remember much about it because I can kind of conflate the movie and the comic as one from my early memories, if that makes sense. It's like right. it it felt like I was reading a version of the movie because I didn't I, I didn't suss out the nuance as a little kid, you know. So this was truly interesting to me because I went and I'm reading this comic and then I went got to the letters page. <laughs> there, there's actually a letter printed in here about how a fan was super dissatisfied with Jack Kirby's uh, interpretation of 2001 A Space Odyssey in, in the, you know, the big oversized edition that they made. And I wanted to read you a little bit of that because it's so kind of like entitled and hilarious <laughs> that I, I was just like, really? They printed this shit? <laughs> this would be this would be a Facebook book post that you would just delete. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, too long, did not read. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to have to, Captain Bifocals has to take his glasses off here to read this. But it says, uh, Dear Jack. <laughs> Dear Jack, being the driving force behind Marvel's adaptation of the best movie of all time, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I'm going to address my comments to you. Uh, Frank uh, Giosia, John Costanza, and Marie Severin did their parts quite well. But it is you who bears the responsibility for the overall product. Wow. Karen wants to talk to the manager. Um, so he says, I must admit that 99.9% .9 of the people who read your adaptation will hail it as a masterpiece. Yeah, it was jerk. Um, and, uh, uh, and then he says, uh, a comics milestone. Unfortunately, I must count myself in the 0.1 percentile. I was disappointed. I'm not saying your book was bad. Bad, he puts it in italics. <laughs> Not at all. In nearly all aspects, it was excellent. What, what disappointed me was the fact that with a little more care, it could have been perfect. Oh, my God. Wow. So, yeah, so so it, it, it goes on. And, and, but let me just read the response from Marvel, because obviously this isn't Jack Kirby, uh, you know, responding. And uh, so, but yeah, he just went on and he said he made pages of copious notes on how it should be better. So, uh, yeah, Edward A. Oynes uh, from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> All right, so it says, Ed, sorry that you were, weren't satisfied with our treasury. Oh, yeah, the treasury edition. Uh, outing of your favorite film, but this armadillo harbors some doubts that we could have fully satisfied uh, as rabid a fanatic as yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we know that wherever the bullpen tackles, uh, or what, whenever the bullpen tackles an established classic like 2001, or for that matter, uh, matter like uh, Robert E. Howard's Conan, there are going to be some readers who aren't going to be satisfied. Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? They ask. <laughs> and sometimes their criticisms are valid. 
In this case, Ed, we think you may well be overlooking the nature of the comics medium. There are inevitable uh, compromises to be made whenever a work is transferred from one medium to another. How beautifully thoughtful is this back in 1976 Mm -hmm. about the two mediums? That's beautiful. And, uh, you know, and it goes on, you know, I'll, I'll just stop it right there. But, uh, but yeah, it was fascinating to read that criticism because there were Jack Kirby haters in the seventies. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, there are jerks in all ages. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, but I had to read a little bit of that. I just love, I, I love the, the Colin response there on that. <laughs> Not too shabby miles. You're, you're one for making sure you, uh, set the record straight on things. So they, they, you know, a little sampling of that did pretty well, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yes, you're, yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, I, I don't want to, we're, we're getting long here, but I really wanted to, to talk about that. So here's, here's what happened. I read the, 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 those comics when I was a little kid, there were only 11 comics. There was the treasury edition adaption of the film. And then Jack Kirby started doing a comic book that lasted 10 issues, uh, over the course of a little under a year from, uh, 76 to 77. Uh, I think December 76 to September 77, I believe. And so basically that's where, you know, after the adaptation is done, people complain about it, moan about it. But Kirby's like, you know what? Maybe we can still do something with this. Maybe I can try. And again, he's trying to like, like quell his urge to make this thing his own. And, and he does make it his own, but he still stays within the confines of what happened in the universe that was put on screen by Kubrick and written in the novel by Arthur C. Clarke. So what he does is he does these crazy stories about everybody who like every almost every issue from one through six is about a character who um, comes in contact with the monolith. And it alters, or sometimes doesn't, alter the the course of their personal history. And it sometimes chooses people to become new star children. Right? The seed is what he calls it. Yeah. He he goes through characters to pick the new seed to, to who becomes the next evolution of humankind that will travel the stars with an all-knowing mind, you know? I, I mean... It's so wild, and, 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 and when you think of Kubrick's film, which is very subdued, very pulled back, very stark, then you have Jack Kirby, who is like, just, just you know, explosions and battles and, you know, bright colors in the Kirby crackle and two-page spreads, something completely d- dynamic in a completely different way, a beautiful way to reinterpret in a different medium something that was, you know, because you have to do that. I mean, can you imagine how boring a comic would have been an adaptation of 2001 A Space Odyssey if you included, like, the same dialogue from the film without describing it, you know? I mean, because that was the thing, uh, you know, in, in the video, or, or the audio from the video I'm going to play for you in a minute, um, a, a commentator said... 
you're you're likely to see more text and dialogue on one page from the Kirby 2001 adaptation than you're going to hear in the entire Kubrick film. You know, so yeah. so it, it it is a wonderful wonderful um uh, uh, way to show uh and and honestly I'll say like on the flip side of it is if you take the Watchmen and what David Lindelof did with the Watchmen is kind of yeah. the 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 mirror image of what Kirby did with 2001 and both are wonderful in their own ways you know but but yeah so uh from movie to comic book and then from comic book to you know movie quality miniseries on HBO um but yeah so so this is uh you know to me is just really a weird a, a, a weird thing because it's something nobody ever really talked about for years and now everybody's trying to find these comics because guess what Marvel Comics and whatever studio put out 2001 a Space Odyssey I don't remember off the top of my head um getting a licensing deal to reprint this stuff is a nightmare now an absolute nightmare <laughs> so you're not you can't get a graphic novel. You can't get a reprint. You have to buy the originals if you want to read this story. Uh, but Michelle, what, what what did you say? I said I bet. No, a lot of yeah. those older older you know some of those things like especially the ones that had trade uh, uh, trademark disputes and stuff like the yeah like I mentioned it, before the Hopi Indian Indian one and that sort of thing. Yeah. you can't get reprints of them. Yeah, licensed characters, uh, you know, intellectual property that was licensed in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and you want to try and reprint it now? Good luck! <laughs> you know, I, I know there was a huge deal worked out with Hasbro and Marvel to be able to reprint their uh, their run of G.I. Joe for a long time. But, um, but anyway, so I want to play you guys this because uh, I, I did not know this. Uh, you've probably heard of the video channel uh, on um, YouTube called Now This. Uh, now This also has a nerd uh, thing that they do. And two years ago, they actually went to an installment. Uh, it was a, uh, a Kirby Museum 2001 pop-up exhibition at uh, New York's One Art Space in 2018. Almost a full two years ago. I think it happened September of 2018. But uh, this is a really nice little bit of audio, and it's going to take us right up to the end of the show. But I want to play it for you now because this is it, it, it's so amazing. Again, I love reading these comics. They're ridiculous and beautiful and stunning. And Jack, I, I want whatever strain of weed you were on when you drew them. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, because I'm 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 reading them completely sober. I'm like, there's no fucking way he drew this when he was high, when he wasn't high, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, God bless you, Jack Kirby. But yeah, from now this nerd, the Kirby Museum, uh, 2018, 2001 Kirby exhibition. Most of you probably know Jack Kirby as the co-creator of Thor, Captain America, the X-Men, and basically half the Marvel Universe. But today, we're at an exhibit honoring one of the King's weirder works, his comic book adaptation of 2001 A Space Odyssey.
Kirby's over-the-top art was a strange fit for Kubrick's subtle reserved film. Sequences that are sparse and silent on screen are brought to life with dazzling cosmic landscapes, copious Kirby crackle, and breathless operatic captions. There might be more words on one page than there are in the whole film, but somehow it still works. Classic sequences like Hal's lip reading and the famous Million Year Match Cut play out very differently on the printed page, but that clash of contrasting geniuses is exactly what makes the book so special. 2001, so he tried to tie in as much of the movie as he could while keeping his style. But since Kubrick such, had such a tight style, it's an interesting contrast with Kirby's more dynamic style that was more bombastic. I mean, the thing about Kubrick is that you're sitting in that theater or you're at home watching the movie, he's got your attention span. You're gonna sit there and you're gonna watch. Kirby can't do that to you in a comic book. So he's gonna put panel, 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 panel. He'll give you some great spreads, like behind us over here. There was a lot of great uh, synergy between the kind of mind-blowing images that Kirby would put on the page and some of the mind-blowing experiences people had at the 2001 movie when they were sitting in the theater. Kirby's adaptation came out eight years after the film, just when it was undergoing a resurgence in colleges and cult theaters. Meanwhile, the King had just returned to Marvel from DC, where he had created the far-out fourth world of the New Gods. As a pioneer of cosmic comics, Jolly Jack was the perfect fit for the trippy 2001. He's like a zeitgeist for the 20th century. He saw the birth of all this technology, and he saw the space race and all these things, and I mean, he drew worlds and universes from his basement in Long Island, and then uh, just expanded all of our consciousness. Like a lot of movie tie-ins, Kirby's 2001 has been out of print for years thanks to rights issues. But the volunteers at the Jack Kirby Museum have preserved the comic in a one-of-a-kind format that's larger than life. I didn't find out about it until the 90s because nobody ever talked about it. And like now coming back to it, Bullshit, I think the things I that I'm most drawn to are the like two-page spreads and the collages and some of the really experimental things that he did with the story and uh, visually. Due to whatever the deal is in lawyer land or corporate land or whatever land, these comics have never been reprinted. So we figure we could promote them a little, talk about them. Maybe we can find actually somebody who will give us permission to publish them again. Uh, the Treasury Edition was a lot of work because since it hasn't been reprinted, the quality of what's there is from 1976. And the idea there is just to, since, since his art has so much impact and so much beauty, is to like take that and blow it up and make it even more visually exciting. Kirby's adaptation was just the beginning, continuing on to a monthly series that explored the potential of the monolith in all new stories. The series was canceled after just 10 issues, but not before Kirby created yet another Marvel Universe mainstay, Aaron Stack, aka oh, Machine Man. Part. With Machine Man, it seems like he, he took that interest in technology and kind of infused it with the uh, what he might have wanted to do with the Silver Surfer where the surfer was kind of um, the fish out of water discovering what humanity was. The surfer was the cosmic fish out of water. Aaron Stack, X-51, Machine Man is the technological fish out of water. Kirby's wild creation. I just need to pause it right there. No, the Machine Man in, in Marvel Comics is Hal in a robot body that isn't as cold-blooded. That's what he is. 
Anyway, uh, here's the last bit of this. Activity and ingenious art makes perfect sense for a museum setting. His style is truly timeless, and seeing it on display gives you an all-new appreciation for his constantly evolving technique. He's already kind of mastered this form, and at that point it is more abstracted, but it's more graphic, like he's using heavier line work. So, you know, it becomes more bold by this point, like he's got a purpose. It's, it's almost like freeform jazz, the way he would draw this stuff. So that, that's what I love about it. I love how geometric it is. I love that you know, when, uh, when two characters are about to cut blows, it seems like each blow is about to be the deciding one. So like, there's just an explosive amount of like crazed mania in like, Kirby art. Like even when it's out of space, and even when it's like celestial, whatever, there's humanity and there's uh, soul to it, you know? The 2001 exhibit is curated by the Jack Kirby Museum, a volunteer organization dedicated to preserving the work and memory of the comic book titan, from creating a digital archive to exhibiting his art around the world. So the mission of the museum really is to take all this, take this wonderful creator that has influenced everyone and most people don't even know. So for that reason, our purpose is to promote Jack Kirby in any way we can. And we have these exhibitions, we travel around the world. That is part of our, our goal, is to really encourage awareness of Jack Kirby, who he is, and, and, and his influence on everything. If you'd like to donate or get involved with the Jack Kirby Museum, you can learn more at kirbymuseum.org. All right, sorry, that was super long, but it, it was important to get through the whole thing, because I forgot about the Machine Man thing, but seriously, I believe that in my heart, that... Jack Kirby introduced HAL 9000, or is he HAL 9000? Yeah, 9000, right? Uh, am I correct in that? HAL 9000, Miles, Michelle? I believe so. Curtis, HAL 9000. HAL 9000, he's X-51, which is Machine Man, but Jack Kirby, going back to what we were talking about earlier, Jack Kirby redeemed HAL, put him in a robot body, and sent him to the Marvel Universe. Very cool. That's pretty cool, know. right? Um, I, I, Shane, was, Shane was saying that he had a Machine Man number one copy. I, I, I believe I have. Anymore, but. <laughs> I, think, I think I have the entire run of Machine Man, by the way. Um, but here's another interesting thing, too. Issue four uh, from March of, uh, would that be, uh, 1977? Um, issue four, Michelle, uh, to your, uh, segment is called wheels of death, where it conflates the wheel of a war wagon to the wheel of a space station, uh, in the sky. So he does that stuff too, from oh, Kubrick cool. taking the shapes that, you know, have meaning to humanity, you know, uh, it, in, in, you know, saying the, this war, you know, the wheel on this wagon that's marching into death, almost the same thing as this giant wheel that's a space station in outer space. So, uh, but yeah, I, I loved researching this. As you can tell, I'm very hyper about it. Uh, but yeah, it, it was so fun. I read the three comics I have. I want to reread all of them, but, uh, I, I have a lot of comic books, everybody. And thankfully, yeah. thankfully, <laughs> Susan. He only has three comic books. Don't listen to Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, thankfully, Susan has been helping me go through them to see what I want to sell and what I'm I don't want to sell. sell the ones he hates. Yeah, we're, we're going to sell the ones that, I, not necessarily that I hate, but not the ones that I, you know, love like my first run of Jack Kirby series, you know? 
Oh, we're going to talk so much Jack Kirby. I'm so excited to talk Jack Kirby on this show. I want to get some guests on for this. This is going to because seriously, this comes full circle to the first hour of the show, Miles, when we were going through the list of all Jack Kirby's creations, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, we own Jack Kirby. And all all y'all alt-right weirdos who want to try and take them from us, uh uh-uh. Cold dead hands. (laughs) So, (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. We're already uh, over over time here on the program, but thanks for uh, hearing me out. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun for me to read the comics, do the research and everything. But uh, So, all right, let's uh, get in the final word here. All right, let's uh, get Satan in here to pick who gets to go first for their uh, <laughs> final words. Uh, let's go with, uh, I don't know, uh, Susan first. Ah, uh, he picked first, her. First, what? Prettiest oh. girl in Cleveland. Go, Susan. He, he's fickle. Oh, Satan. It's been quite a week, and, and I'm, you know, I didn't check the internet, but I'm hoping that Miles and Michelle are okay there in Florida. Oh, I shouldn't say Florida. You guys could live anywhere. You could <laughs> That's be okay. People know any, we live in Florida. <laughs> you could be endangered by any kind of horrible weather. They're um, just wasting away in Hurricaneville. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um I did that I to myself. You, that's cute. Um I I hope everything's fine. It, it's calmed down here a little bit and not that we ever get it bad. Um, yeah, and I, I just, thanks for tuning in, friends, and uh, it's nice talking to you, Curtis. That's, this is Indeed. good, having our work lists. And uh, for couples skate, I'm going to um, endless love. Oh. I know <laughs> Richie, and I'm going to yeah. ask Curtis to skate with me. All right. So, he uh, is your cousin, you know. I know, but that's the good thing about um, couples. We look out for each other. Like, I don't mind holding her hand and skating. Like, you know what I mean? That's fine. I know. I'm just being an asshole. Yeah. Don't like compete with each other. The thing is, skating, take your hand. And and they, they, well, before the pandemic, they did. They take your hand and they. They help you balance a little better. And, and no, that's legit, nice. Susan and I are going to hold hands and talk shit about everybody else. That's what's going to happen. Hey. Fuck. Nice. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, uh, well, Curtis, what's your parting shot? My parting shot is one. Yeah, a couple skates definitely going to be How Deep Is Your Love by uh, the Bee Gees. Oh, nice. And you come to me on a summer breeze. You can't beat that song. It's great. Great harmonies. It's just fun. It's good skate music. What Dude, about if if I, I close my eyes forever? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let, 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 let's forget that Aussie song. Um, <laughs> I love that. I, 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 that's, a Lita, that's a Lita song. With yeah, Oz. it's true. I, I'm not going to impugn either's legacy or All that right. song's popularity. Continue, continue. Real quick. And they wouldn't stop playing Ozzy coming home, Mama, I'm coming home. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. That, that? Bad memories <laughs> of that. Uh, yeah. Listen, I wanted to touch real quick on the fact that it, from all reports, uh, Stanley Kubrick never saw that comic or never heard about it. 
And oh, yeah. that really pisses me off because I always love to hear when celebrities see their send up in Mad Magazine or an artist is like, oh, fucking Weird Al did one of my songs. This is awesome. Like, yeah. that's my favorite thing is, is seeing that come back to them and mm-hmm. how touched some people are by that. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I've made it because of this thing. Yeah. And to have your fucking movie that nobody had talked about in eight years being sent up in Marvel Comics, which isn't no small gesture. Like, it's a big fucking deal that Jack Kirby... Yeah. And by the way, from what I read, he completed all that... Kenny, he completed all that artwork in like a month. In a month. Oh, I don't doubt did, that in a second. I, I don't doubt that for Jesus a second at Christ. all. Yeah. And, and writing. And, and You know, or and, adapting. Yeah, you know. for... No mention whatsoever. Like, eh, whatever. Fuck it. You know, I, I hate that. That really bothers me. So same here. I concur. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we pass it off? No, just thanks to everybody that did that, that turned in tonight and listened. I, I'm really excited about where this is going. I think this is. I'm having a really good time, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this. So I'll tell you, you what. We got triple listeners tonight on the show, and I'd like to thank the other two people who have listened tonight. Uh, no, yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's bigger than that. I'm kidding. It, it, it's a joke. Uh, so, uh, Michelle, uh, what do you have on the way out? All right. For our next drinking game, for a sonic screwdriver, 1.5 ounces of vanilla vodka, 1.5 ounces of blue Caraco, oh. two ounces orange juice, and oh. clear lemon lime soda to your taste. Ooh. Did you call Rachel Maddow, known mix uh, mixologist, to get that drink? No, but the Google monkeys did fly. Okay, there yeah. you go. <laughs> um, and also, just to talk, yeah. if you if you don't like blue Caraco, you could go with an alien secretion, which is equal parts <laughs> equal parts Midori, coconut rum, and pineapple juice. Oh, I mm. thought it was alien DNA and demon semen. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. All right. I, all right, Miles. Alien semen is not happening. Meanwhile, not happening. at the Hall of Justice. All right, Miles, you get the last word tonight. So earlier this week, George Takei tweeted something hmm. about how uh, Donald Trump is a uniter. And I, I can't disagree with his take on how he has brought moms and dads with leaf blowers and vets, <laughs> all yeah. all uniting together against uh, Trump, basically, and, and the hate and the racism out there. So when you hear people out there saying, "Oh, this this country is divided and it's wrong," it, it don't don't let that get you down. It's really not as divided as you think. There's always going to be that segment of the uh, population that is has the authoritarian mindset. Yeah, those are the people that. Yeah, that, that, that's that, true. Uh, there's nothing you can do for them, mm-hmm. but marginalize them, come together, work with the people that have similar values, and for frickin' sake, turn out to vote. Yeah. I can't disagree. And that's the end of the show. Thank you, everybody. Very fun. Very informative. Uh, but uh, oh, I want to... My parting shot is I neglected to say what songs we heard 
for our featured artist today. We did Kill the Hippies uh, on the last break, and it was Hallow Blue from their one of their Halloween records that I co-wrote with them and made. And I also played uh, a really fun song from them, which was uh, it was a soundtrack song from a made-up movie called uh, uh, the uh, what is it? Every computer on the planet has been possessed by Satan. So that was the nice. instrumental. That was the instrumental you heard there. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to end the show right now. Love you all. Let's talk geek next Sunday. It's like a man who has been blind all of his life, suddenly being given sight. All that you knew is gone. The end of the world, perhaps. Even worse. Game over, man. Fasten all seatbelts. Seal all entrances and exits. Close all shops in the mall. Cancel the three-ring circus. Secure all animals in the zoo. The state will self-destruct in five seconds. Five. Get out! Three. Get out of there! Get out! One. Shazam!